Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, this is Tony Schiavone, and this is your beep. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey, Tony Schiavone, Conrad Thompson here to tell you about the great offer we've got right now at fight.tv forward slash starcast. You see right there, Tony, you don't have to miss out on any of the action. We've got over 20 plus stage shows that are completely sold out. It's over 40 hours of content you'll enjoy both live and on demand. You see, if you were there in person at starcast, you'd have to pick, do I want to watch this show or that show? But with fight.tv forward slash starcast, you can see it all. You won't miss a thing. And you even get a $20 fight credit. Hey, is all in going to be on fight? Cause they could use that credit for that. Right. And while supplies last, you even get an all in ring canvas. You get a piece of the mat where wrestling history is going to be made. Marty Skrull, Okada, the young bucks, Kenny Omega, Cody challenging for the NWA world title, Rey Mysterio, and much, much more. But hurry, when this canvas is gone, it's gone forever. You can snag your piece of history right now. Cruise on over and pre-order with a Platinum Weekend Pass for StarCast at fight.tv forward slash StarCast. And no, Tony, you can't have a discount. It'll pay full price. It's a good deal. It's like a $345 value, and I'm going to give it to you for a fraction of that. Yes, you've got a pre-order. Welcome to WHW Monday. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotion. Tony and Friends North, they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off center stage. Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro. New World Order and the Crow. Thunder Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinnie Mac, simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad. Not your classy podcast. Watch along, try not to laugh. Lois rules, cat back. This wasn't the initial plan. Tom Ziggs a good looking man. Klondike Bill, make a chair. Tommy, you come over here. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When with Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? 
Conrad, it's good to be with you on a another beautiful day and another beautiful week, and you're so, certainly looking beautiful. And all of our uh, listeners on Patreon and throughout the world are beautiful as well. Things are beautiful. Thank you for asking. Well, I don't know if everybody listening is beautiful, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Beautiful in its own way, like the starry summer night. Our snow-covered winter's day. Dun, dun, dun. Ray Stevens, God bless him. I, uh, I'm not allowed to play music on the show anymore. <laughs> so I don't know if that means you're allowed to sing or what. I don't know. I don't know if it is not. We'll see. But anyway, hey, great to be with you. Uh, we've got a pretty exciting event to talk about here. We uh, did? Bash Beach 1995. Oh, I didn't know it was exciting. But I am excited to make fun of it with you. Fire up your WWE network. Let's get it going, man. Bash at the beach 95. And, uh, I think this is usually when we have a little bit of help from our friends. Let's bring in Lois for our countdown. Go ahead there. Sweetheart. Three, two, one hit play. We bring in bash at the beach with not only a surfboard, but a shark. It is brought to you by slim Jim. Make sure you snap into it and a great, you know, after looking at this thing, Conrad, and seeing it, this was not bash at the beach. This was bash on the beach. We were actually on the beach in Huntington Beach. We had a nice day for it as well. A lifeguard match with Ric Flair and Macho Man Randy Savage. And then in our main event for the big gold belt, it's a cage match on the beach with Hulk Hogan brother and Big Van Vader. Oh, and you're in for a treat because those are the only two matches really worth a damn in our Bash of the Beach. Take a look at this crowd. It's live from Huntington Beach, California, as I would say here, and probably incorrectly so, the largest crowd ever to watch a WCW event live in the United States of America. Woo, how, late, how old do you think those girls are now? Well, this is 23 years old, so if those girls are 30, they're 53. Wow, and now Tony Schiavone and Bobby the Brain Heenan. You notice I have orange shorts on there uh, at that time. I, I would never wear orange now, but I was actually wearing swim trunks during the course of this event, and I thought my Oakleys looked pretty damn good as well. Me and Heenan were really getting along here. We were really excited about what we were bringing to you because we had the fans cordoned off. Take a look at uh, at Michael Hayes uh, want to be over to the uh, Heenan's left shoulder there. Yeah. We were ready for Hulk Hogan and Big Van Vader in a cage. And Heenan, let me say that uh, uh, first I want to ask you, how many vodkas have you had before this show began today? Because I know you've had a bunch of vodkas. Take a look at the crowd, Conrad. Isn't this pretty spectacular? Take Not, a look at the dirty water. It's a cool As visual. We, cool visual indeed. It really was. As we're now trying to put over Ming. The Ming was probably the most... And I hate to say this because I love him so much, but he was probably the most highlighted job guy we've ever had. We never put his ass over. We always put his ass over talking about him. And, but, and when it came down to big events, he always did the job. What, what was wrong with us? Well, I mean, I think part of that is because he wasn't cutting a promo and you guys didn't give him a strong mouthpiece, but if he had a strong mouthpiece and not Colonel fucking Robert Parker, there's no telling. Like, can you imagine Let's just imagine for a minute, you could get in your way back machine and let's say that you could take Paul Heyman from today and you could drop him in as an advocate for Ming 
right? I mean, come on. Well, yeah, I I get that, but I but yeah, but you know what? Uh, what was shitty about this? If you go back and watch this, everyone, all of, all of it. Uh, well, yeah, but it was also voiced over by some phony guy with some phony voice, and it sounded like canned bullshit, which is what it was. I mean, they're making him look like a badass here, but then he comes out with you know the fried chicken guy with like a. I mean, he was, you know. So you got Colonel Sanders out here with uh like if colonel sanders and jr ewing had a baby and he's out here with a handkerchief patting his forehead going oh i do declare this ming he's gonna i just went into black preacher mode all right here we go mean gene and sting all right sting tell us about what you're gonna do today go ahead all right mean gene let me tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go out here in front of all these fans who didn't pay a dime to be here which is exactly how many dimes i'm drawing right now not one because I look awesome and I'm supposed to be the top dog, but Hulk freaking Hogan's here. So now instead of this being the world title on my shoulder, it's the U S title because Eric Bischoff thinks that this is my ceiling. But back when it was me and the Steiner brothers, I was on top that we weren't making any money, but I was making money. How much money sting money. That's so much money that the guys on that other channel, they're going to come here with guaranteed contracts. But what do I have to do? Not work the main events. I have to carry around this and jerk the curtain. They don't have me in there with Ric Flair. They don't have me in there with Macho Man. They got me in there with King Haku. The last time he was on top was with Andre. Yeah, I know. And I'm getting paid a lot more than Shivani as well. Well, everybody's getting paid more with Shivani. Even Bobby fucking Heenan's making more than Shivani. But Sting money, that's a thing in the business. And what do I have to show for it? The opening match. All right, it's Sting. Give me a shout. Woo, yeah, Sting. Sting will jerk the curtain here. Would you stop slobbering all over me, you motherfucker? And let's go to the ring with our first event. All right, that's pretty good visual right there as well, I think. How much did you guys spend on these helicopter shots, do you you think? I, uh, every bit of $20,000 because we rented a helicopter for three hours. See, here's the thing. And, and, and first of all, I, I really respect, you know, Colonel Robert Parker, the man behind the character. Oh, I love him. But this fucking character here ruins the visual. You know, you've got sting. If sting was taking on Haku here and it was just Haku and the, or Ming rather in the colorful garb and you're pushing him as this karate killer. What? Okay, cool. But then he's got this fucking foghorn leghorn behind him. This is just, this does not fit. You think, uh, and here's a question for all of our, uh, uh, all of our fans listening and like to give us feedback on Twitter or on Patreon or on Facebook. Do you think, uh, the great Robert Fuller would have been better as a different type character? Cause he can talk. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm not none of, none of what I'm saying right now is, is any sort of slight or indictment on him. I'm just saying, yeah, him doing literally anything but this, because whatever sort of air of believability you have with Ming as this legit badass, you've got almost an over the top campy cartoon movie villain as your mouthpiece. And right. You know, it just feels like he's the guy plotting against Patrick Swayze and roadhouse or some silly nonsense. And then you've got sting here with the belt upside down, which really pisses me off. That's a Reggie parks made world champ. I mean, United States championship. You guys had two versions of that belt. One that had five plates and one that had three, the three plater was made by Joe Marshall. This is the original five plater made by Reggie parks. One of the more underrated belt designs. 
but it does feel like, okay, well, Hogan's here. So let me move on down. I can't be top babyface anymore. Even though I've been the franchise player for this company for a long time, I guess I'm scooting down the card because Mach and Hogan are here. Yeah. You know, I guess ego would come into play, but you know, you, the way I look at it is you still got a fucking job and guess what? Not only do we have paying $20,000 for, uh, for a helicopter. But we got Michael Buffer, who we're probably paying like another five grand for. Yeah, I mean, listen, money's money's flowing in by this point. You know, WCW is about to launch Nitro before you know it, just a couple of months after this, and you know, business is down in the wrestling industry as a whole. But with Eric Bischoff, it feels like we're headed in the right direction. We've moved our tapings to Disney the prior year. Uh, Bash at the Beach in 94 set a huge record for WCW. I mean, a big one. Uh, a lot of people, we've covered that in our archives, by the way, over at um, whwmonday.com. I feel like we should mention, too, I just covered Bash at the Beach 94 today on uh, 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, which is a monumental pay per view. It's the first ever Ric Flair Hulk Hogan. So we're now a year removed from that and a couple of months away from Nitro. From your recollection, Tony, what's your state of the union for the company at this time? Well, my state of the union for the company, uh, at this time is, uh, things are looking up. I mean, we knew that nitro was coming, so we were pretty pumped about it. And, uh, so I, I think the state of the union is, you know, we're look, we're right in the middle, right? We're right in the, the Hulk Hogan comes in 1984. We have this in 1985 and then in 80 and then 1996, what do we have? We have the, the very, the very famous Hulk Hogan turning heel in WOB informed. So we're kind of right in the middle of, of Eric Bischoff's big run, we think. Uh, and, uh, it was a great time. We were pretty excited about it. I was, I was personally pumped up about this. I, I thought, and I think you have to agree with that, with the ocean in the background and all those, even the good looking, wow, yikes, good looking women and all the slap dicks, uh, in, in the, uh, in attendance, I was pretty excited about what, and yeah, it was free show, but still they came out and, uh, it looked good. I was really excited about the state of our company at this time. It does look cool. And of course we're a year prior to the Sturgis experiment, which is going to run for a handful of years, but this was really the first of its kind. And a lot of this is probably happening because of the association with Baywatch, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And we're going to see when, uh, they have the, uh, when they have the lifeguard match, we'll see some of the Baywatch, maybe Baywatch stand-ins or extras come out in their Baywatch garb as well. So yeah, it, it all, uh, it all really, really looked good. You know, I just, uh, again, I, I look at this and I think, yeah, I understand who sting is and I understand he may be pissed off. And of course we've been having fun with it. He's in the opening match, but man, Ming is such a fucking badass. We, I, I think we really, really lost oh. it with that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I agree. I'm going yeah, to let everybody he, know. Go ahead. I'm he sorry. He could have been a Cactus Jack Vader level, you know, as far as the bad guy. Because, you know, that, that's who Sting really had his best matches with, you know, Vader and Cactus Jack. And, you know, right. it was that era of believability. You know, Cactus Jack was willing to do anything, and Vader was this big bully. And both of those guys had that reputation. Well, Ming had that same thing going for him. And he's got a cool look. He's super intimidating. It's, there's a, a huge air of realism. Then you look outside and you've got, oh, I do declare. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? 
Well, but, but you know, they, they, he wasn't with Colonel Parker his entire run. No, he was not. But that's what I'm saying is it does feel like this was the chance to do something. And if you had a different mouthpiece, I'm not arguing he needs a mouthpiece, but if you had a different one, there's no telling how it could have been. I don't know. I mean, at the time, and obviously Paul Heyman's not even here, so that's not a real suggestion, but literally almost anything else. Right. And I understand that. And what this does is by putting Sting on uh, first, you immediately look at this and you go, oh, Sting's on first? Yeah. Well, he's against Ming. That's why he's on first. Uh, and, and that really brings Ming down as well, in my opinion. Well, you probably also have you know, a lot of folks who think that, and you know, whether this is true or not, but being the first match on the card is still a featured spot because you're going to be in front of the live crowd and you're going to be opening the pay-per-view. So, you know, on some level being first up, is not a bad thing. If you're a house show, maybe, but on a big, big show like this, it might not be such a bad deal. Right. Plus you got the fact that sting is the surfer sting and this is his venue, so to speak, uh, you know, on the coast, Venice beach, California, Huntington beach, California. So yeah, I I get all that. Um, but, uh, every time I see Ming, I just go through my mind over and over again. And I I guess it's because most of us who were in the sport or work behind the scenes knew exactly number one, what a great guy he was. Right. No, Two, what a hardworking guy he was. And number three, what a legitimate badass he was. So in our mind, as far as trying to rationalize any of this, it's like, man, he is so good on so many levels. Why doesn't he get the big push? And, and again, there's so many reasons behind that. Can I, um, can I give you, can I drop some knowledge on you that I'm sure you don't know about? Yeah, I love knowledge. He was in the main event angle for new Japan pro wrestling last week. Was he really? Yeah. The same guy we're looking at now. Yep. 20 years removed. Yep. He was in the main event in New Japan Pro Wrestling. In the main event angle. So you had Cody Rhodes taking on Kenny Omega for the IWGP world title. Right. Uh, and after the match, you know, they're both part of the Bullet Club. Uh, the Samoan Dynasty, who are part of the bullet club, you know, Tonga and all those guys. And, and who is by the way, Haku's son sure. came out to congratulate all of them. And Haku was there and, and then they turned on the bullet club and debuted their new squad called the firing squad. And so now they're in a bit of a blood feud with the bullet club, which is the top act in new Japan. Wow. That is so fucking cool. So to give everybody a time cue here, Tony. All right, the time cue that I got, let me move my mouse across at 1355, 56, 57. Are you about right there? 58, 59. Picks him up for a suplex. Sting blocks it. And Sting is going to reverse it at 1405. Nope. Sting go down again. Sting go down again. Wonder how many, I wonder how many, uh, how much dope was being smoked in the audience for about this time. Well, they're in California, so a considerable amount. If this was Florida, it would be meth. <laughs> Especially if it was North Florida. Absolutely. Or if it was South Florida, it'd be a light of cocaine, one would think. Wait, you, you need to say it with an accent or something if you're going to say cocaine. Do you have a fun way to pronounce cocaine? Cocaine? No. Come on, give me a fun word. Say hello to my little friend. Things oh, like that. Is okay. okay, I don't. 
All right. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Didn't work like our show last. By the way, we got a lot of feedback on Casio. Strong feelings one way or another yep. on Casio. What's up with that? Like, like half our audience is like, he's the star, he's the MVP. And the other half is, if Casio's on the show again, I fucking give up. I quit. No, I, I don't know. I just, uh, he's a polarizing figure. Why do you and think in, that is? He, I mean, he's just over here trying to sing candy liquor. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I got a, uh, I got a text from my oldest son, Matt, who, by the way, helps us out a little bit on this show. You may, if you listen to the, uh, if you listen to the promotional considerations paid for by the following, it's Matt Schiavone doing all those crazy voiceovers. Uh, and so anyway, Matt sent me a text and the text says, what the fuck is this Casio kid? Okay. And then about an hour later, another text says, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> so apparently he didn't like it at first, but he caught on near the middle of it. So, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think that. I mean, if you listen to one of those shows the whole way through and he's remixing stroking with the Tony Schiavone version of shitting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's what it's about right there. Yeah, That's what it's, it is about. It is about just having a good time and watching wrestling. And Cassio is a big a wrestling fan. Not only that Cassio in real life, uh, is not only a schmo, but he's a very talented guy and we like talented people being on our show. Just like we like talented people being at our wrestling events. Okay, so we got still to come. We're going to see uh, Sister Sherry. We are going to also have, and this is really exciting. Are you ready for this? We are going to have a vignette from the Dungeon of Doom. By the way, I feel like we should tell everybody this show got 90.4% thumbs down in the Observer Reader poll. Yeah, 90.4 thumbs down, 5.9% thumbs up. 3.7% 3.7% thumbs in the middle. The best match, according to the readers, was Flair and Savage. The worst match, Paul Orndorff and the Renegade. Yeah, well, listen. <laughs> How could you not put the Renegade in your worst match in any card that he would have? How could you not have it? This is um, WCW's biggest pay-per-view of the year, of course, or at least that's the way it's been promoted Right. They're going to do 160,000 buys on pay-per-view, which is way up from the great American bash, which only did a hundred and even up from slam Marie 95, which did 110, but down slightly from uncensored and super brawl, but going back a year prior bash of the beach 94 with the super match with flair and Hogan did 225,000 buys here only 160. So down considerably from when Hogan first came in, but still pretty respectable number. Yeah. And, I, and I'm surprised too. Uh, maybe we didn't. And, and I don't obviously don't remember the build up to this, what angles we did leading up to Hogan invader, but one would think Hogan invader in a cage would, would, uh, garner some interest. I mean, just off the top, it would for me. Um, Meltzer would write in the observer. It was the night of WCW. Go ahead. <laughs> it was the night the WCW announcing team made Vince McMahon look like George Washington with their outrageous lies about the crowd size with several <laughs> references to the crowd being hundreds of thousands. Now, yeah. of course he's saying, uh, he thinks there's 9,500 people there. I don't know. I don't know if it is or not. It certainly looked damn good. You know, there aren't, there aren't any bleachers here. So it's really probably hard for anybody to see anything unless you're right. in the first couple of rows. 
But Meltzer would write, from a fan standpoint live, the show is one of the worst cards I've ever been aside been to, aside from the most rinky-dink independence. It wasn't as bad on pay-per-view, although still a thumbs down. The doing the idea of doing a show on the beach with the crowd shots and the aerial shots in a different location was a great idea, and I hope they make it an annual affair. It was a great afternoon, but the wrestling matches were clearly the worst part of the afternoon. It was hard to tell on television, but there was very little heat for most of the show. The people there for the most part had some awareness of wrestling, but I wouldn't necessarily call them wrestling fans. They knew the wrestlers from the eighties, like Hogan, Flair, Sting, Savage, and Hawk, but didn't really react to anyone else. Well, uh, again, there's Meltzer, uh, not knowing what the word heat means, but I do agree with the fact that there's not much fan reaction here. And that's what he's talking about. The fans are not into what's going on. And we got one of our biggest stars opening things up with Sting. And I'm surprised to learn, this is the first time I've learned this, thank you for telling me this, that little Davey Meltzer was there. He should have come to the announce booth and helped us out since he knows how to hype shows the right way. But I was glad that he was there. Let's talk about uh, Tank Abbott. The big news behind the scenes was that Tank Abbott, fresh from the UFC, was at the hotel talking with Eric Bischoff before the show and having dinner with WCW promoter Zane Bresloff after the show. Although reports are that any dealings would simply be that Bischoff would send him to K1 in Japan rather than training him to be a pro wrestler. In addition, backstage of the show was Jim Helwig. That's right. The ultimate warrior who was being discussed for a 1996 run against Hulk Hogan. But reports we get are for legal reasons that Titan owns his likeness and for merchandising, he wouldn't be able to use the warrior name or gimmick or likeness in WCW. So odds are less than 50% that it would be put together. So we know that warrior winds up coming back in 96, but for the WWF, do you remember warrior being backstage here at bash to the beach? 95. Uh, I, I remember hearing about him being backstage. I didn't see him because we were kind of removed. There was the backstage area. We were removed from that. He and I entered a different way and stayed away from the backstage area the entire, the entire day. So, yeah, I remember him being back there, hearing about him being back there, but didn't see him at all. And, and I think we all knew that trying to get the Ultimate Warrior to us and using his name and likeness wasn't going to be easy to do. Uh, so that I, all, all that I remember. Uh, I don't remember Tank Abbott, uh, and that's because I had no idea who Tank Abbott was. Even if I had seen him, I wouldn't have recognized him. So, But, of course, as we know, Tank Abbott, became a player in WCW. Very disturbed man. Let's talk about the, uh, the undercard, the dark matches, if you will, Johnny B bad beat Chris Canyon. That's right. That one with a Frankensteiner wow. off the top rope. Uh, Meltzer gave it a star and a quarter. Gene Okerlund interviewed Nick Bockwinkle who announced the cage match. Um, and then of course we've got Road Warrior Hawk pinning Mark Starr with a clothesline off the top. It got uh, half a star. Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck beat Marcus Bagwell and Alex Wright. That got a quarter star. After the match, Vader runs in and destroys Bagwell, Wright, a Sting lookalike, uh, Gary Key, and Bobby Bradley Jr. And the match we're watching right now goes 15 minutes and 31 seconds, and they get two stars where Sting, of course, retains. Anything you remember about any of the dark matches or did you even see them? I didn't even see them at all. Okay. 
Uh, we would uh, we we would arrive just right before uh, and uh, sit down and do our stuff. We were uh, it was a it was a kind of a different broadcast location for us, if I recall. And uh, but I didn't watch any of it. And again, and again, I, I don't. I think I've said before on this on this podcast that I never did watch dark matches. Colonel Parker pretty upset. He oh, thought it should. Well, I do declare. I, I thought it should have been a, a one, two, three right here. Uh, the the finish is going to be Sting with his foot on the ropes. So that was that's a shitty spot right there. The worst Frankensteiner in the history of Frankensteiners. Yeah, I agree. So Sting is going to try to pump the fans back up by doing a little uh, little posing, little hook it up, if you will. Sting it up. Sting it up. Okay. St- or we could call it Sting the joint out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could, uh, man, it's, uh, we are back into an era too here. Uh, we never seem to get it right. As far as timing of matches are concerned, this match went way too long. Now that was a hell of a spot right there. That was because it was real. That's not a right. spot. That's real. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he kicked him, man. And this is the foot on the rope. One, two, three, no foot on the rope. And then, uh, then sting is going to get the one, two, three. Right now, uh, yeah, right now Ming is concerned about Sting's, if, if he doesn't, maybe he has got a broken jaw here or something, because that was, and we're going to show that in the replay, uh, it was a legit spot. Man, they have, they have slowed down to a crawl in this one, gang. But again, you know, if everything can't be a five-star match, can it? I guess we should talk about what happened before we went live on the pay-per-view. They're doing this cage match where they're going to have an over the top climbing stipulation as opposed to the traditional pinfall finishes. Right. And they also come up with a way to get Hogan out here. Um, Kevin Sullivan is doing an interview with Hogan and Dennis Rodman and Hogan announces that Rodman's going to be in his corner for the main event. And then they interview some of the Baywatch babes. And we've got a presentation of a motorcycle to Hogan. And he says, he's going to raffle it off to the fans, but that never happens. And then at Mm. that point, a really tall guy shows up and he's wearing a shirt. Like the one Andre used to wear, takes it off and throws it at Hogan. Who's acting all stunned saying that this was Andre's shirt. And they're saying that he's seven, three or seven, four. This is the debut of Paul white. What do you remember about Paul white's, uh, initial foray into wrestling here? Uh, we see road warrior Hawk coming out about, uh, that day or is specifically Paul white coming into wrestling? Well, this day, because Paul white is obviously going to be the main event at Halloween havoc, but we're laying the right. seeds here and saying, Oh, this is Andre's old shirt. Right. Yeah. Well, I remember it just being, uh, I remember Paul white just being such a big intimidating motherfucker. Give us a, give us a replay call here, Tony. Look at this. Foot oh, to the jaw. Whoa, should have broke his fucking jaw. But no, here's the one, two, three, foot on the rope, foot on the rope. And then that leads to this shitty finish right here, which through in the entire match, they had to do something like this. Just roll him up, hook him, and keep your shoulders down for the one, two, three. Sting is your winner. I remember Paul being one of the most intimidating men I'd ever seen in my life. When I saw him, I'm thinking, I've never seen a guy this big. I was thinking, he's got to be bigger than Andre. 
And of course, I only you know work with Andre a very short period of time. Uh, but he could do a lot more than that. <laughs> I want to bring in here with me the Renegade, baby. The Renegade. <laughs> and I'm going to run a place on Daytona Beach on the other side. Take a look at this magazine, Mean Gene. And you are going to have to talk to the Renegade. We are going to have him talk. You're talking about a piece of shit. To my left is a painted up piece of shit with an R on his shoulder. And here the Renegade's going to talk. Say something. The ultimate warrior's here, which means my days are numbered. And it's not numbered as a television champion. It's numbered in wrestling. Ah! <laughs> well, they put me in all kinds of pieces of shit. And now they have put me in the toilet. <laughs> uh, you're right. They put you in the toilet. I don't know what kind of fucking match we're going to have. But Paul Orndorff, one of the greatest performers of all time, who was in some big main events, is going to have to wrestle this jacked up piece of shit let's go back to the ring oh man man alive look at that 100 140,000 people <laughs> oh, that's so great it's actually 140,001 with uh Meltzer and his blow boys uh from Campbell California you think Paul looks pretty happy coming out here no. <laughs> I yeah. Can you, this is probably the look on his face right before he knocked Vader the fuck out. <laughs> That's right. Now that look was a little bit different. Uh, that look was get ready for the ass kicking. This is like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, Paul was, uh, man, there's some good looking women in the, we, we never had good looking. By the way, oh. four years after this, when, if the WWF was doing this, they were, those girls on shoulders would be flashers. But here in WCW 94, that's not the case. We could have gotten away being a pay-per-view with flashers and just saying, you know what? We, it was live. There's nothing we could do, right? No, you would not have done that. We should have. Well, you know, I, I often said there has been, we had talked about this before. I often thought that we should be allowed since it's a pay-per-view to say whatever we want to say. You know, in other words, if the the word fuck comes out now mm. and then, mm. right? Or the word shit comes out, mm. it's on pay-per-view, right? That's some salty language you're using there. <laughs> well, that's what we say. Here it comes. Whoa, man. Serious business. So Renegade's here. Yeah. And we just ran through that Jim Helwig is in the back. Yeah. Did you ever hear about that conversation? I mean, it feels like Warrior would have had no problem just walking right up and reading in the riot act. Yeah. Well, knowing how Jim is, Jim probably would have done that. But this kid was like, but this, this kid was not any threat to the warrior gimmick. No, that's not his fault. Yeah. Look at that. Goes up and he does the warrior shake and everything and not a fucking soul's buying it. No, it's all booze. No one cares. The match gets a dud. There's the yeah. ugliest title WCW ever had. The most plain Jane, simplistic, squiggly line piece of shit ever. Also made by Reggie Parks. Right. And unfortunately, Orndorff's like, let's just get this shit over with. <laughs> and I don't crowd shits all over this thing. Gets a dud rating. They're going to go six minutes and 12 seconds. Yeah. Um, Which, Meltzer were six. right in the, in the observer. Highlight was renegade hitting two of the worst drop kicks on record. Renegade is said to be a student of Killer Kowalski, but you can guess that Killer dis uh, disavows any knowledge of ever teaching him anything. Nobody else did either. 
Renegade won with a sloppy back suplex with the storyline being Orndorff got his shoulder up, but the ref was out of position to see it. So Orndorff attacks him and pile drove him after the match, but Renegade pops back up and hits a cross body. Tons of booze when Renegade popped up. Mm. Well, I would, yeah, they, they're reacting to Orndorff. I would think that there's probably a bunch of slapticks in the audience that thought this really was the warrior. Yeah. I mean, listen, the warrior is somebody because there's face pain. It's like, it made people stupid. Like right. I'll never forget when the ultimate warrior came back at WrestleMania eight, a bunch of my numbskull friends were like, oh, he's dead. This is the second warrior. The first one died. Look, <laughs> it doesn't even look like him. I mean, so the, the, those rumors of the first one died have been around forever. Unfortunately, oh. I guess we should mention here. It is a sad situation where both renegade and the real ultimate warrior, Jim Hellwig are both passed away. Now we're right. sitting, we're over here just shit talking to everybody, but we do need to say that, you know, we wish they were still with us, man. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, we've had the renegade on our, uh, talked about the renegade on our podcast before I feel sorry for the kid. You know, yeah. if you're going to say, you know, we're going to give you a run and give you an ultimate warrior type gimmick. You're going to do your best with it, aren't you? Of course. No, he wouldn't. I mean, there's no chance he wanted this to suck. Right. And, and he's going to watch ultimate. Uh, he should have watched ultimate warrior videos, uh, and, uh, watched, uh, what he did in the ring and try to copy that style because that's what they told him to do. That's absolutely what they told him to do. So he's doing the best that he can. So, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to shit on what kind of kid and what time of effort he's putting in and, you know, Paul Orndorff doing it the best that he can do with this, but it just, it just, it just doesn't work from many different levels. And the fact is that the people here in attendance don't want to see it either. How tickled was Orndorff with, um, working with renegade. Oh man. Well, uh, two things here. He was, he was very upset. He was working with him, but Paul being the guy that he was in the power plant and being a trainer in the power plant, he was going to try to make it work. And he was going to try to help this kid improve because that was part of his job. And so I, I can understand it. Now he's got a handful of sand, you know, Conrad, I know you've been to the beach. Once you get that sand in your trunks, you can't get it out, man. So just throw it in his face. There you go. Throw it right in his fucking face. I'm surprised that hasn't happened a lot. You know, this is this is normally when I would play a song. Yeah, I know. I know. Like so, stroking. Can we we can say stroking? What about um patches? What about, what about Mickey Avalon? You in the loop on him? Mickey Avalon? Yeah. Is he a singer? Is he a wrestler? Is he a promoter? Is he one of Meltzer's Blow Boys? What? Uh, he does like some rock and hip hop. Okay. No, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, he was, um, he did some stuff with the dyslexic speed readers once. <laughs> there was a, there was a group called the dyslexic speed readers. Yeah. Here's, here's a sample. No. Cut. Okay. Real fast. <laughs> Your dick went straight to DVD. Yeah. Okay. Is this like the, like, you know, God bless them. All right. Uh, did this, did this song go platinum? Uh, I, don't, I don't believe it did. No. I, 
Your dick looks like Gary Coleman. Yeah, okay. Oh, Lordy. Uh, you better cut it off. Thank you. I don't want to get us in trouble here. You're not, are, you, are you not a fan of my dick? Uh, no, your dick? No, I'm not. No, not, not, not on my person. I mean the song, my dick. The song, my dick? No, I don't like that song at all. And, you know, <laughs> did you see the drop kick? It's two of them. Look at this. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God! It's going. Oh Lord, please get it over. Going to fans, uh, fans. There's a couple of girls in the back going, "Yeah, yeah, we came here with him, so we're going to cheer for him." Let me ask you this, serious business. Do you think that y your dick could have a better match with Paul Orndorff than Renegade did here? My dick. Uh, no, I think Paul Orndor did all he could do. Hmm. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is so brutally bad, but you know, Orndor doing all that he can and we're just now begging for it to get over. I want to, man, I, I hope we replay those, uh, those drop kicks again, because I want to see those man. Gee whiz. You know, when something like that happens as announcers, you know, you want to say, what the fuck are we looking at? But you have to really either ignore it or try to make it, because there's a three count, try to make it uh, good and in the end end up burying yourself as well. Because, you know, there'll be a bunch of guys like a Dave Melter say, look at the announcer saying this shit. Well, we had to say it. We had to try to put this kid over. We had to try to put the uh, crowd over as being the biggest crowd ever. And now the fans are really getting into it because they want Orndorff to kick his fucking ass. But, but, but that was our job back then. And I'm not trying to take up for all the crazy shit that I said, uh, but that was our job. I was just, uh, I was just reading before you and I got on the air. There you go. Pile drive his ass, buddy. Wow. And the fans love it. They bought, they bought that. Hey, there's heat. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not really heat. It's fan response, not heat. Uh, but the fans responded to that. I was, uh, I was reading about. The, uh, the great moment from January of 1999 when I said butts in the seats, you know, when uh, Cactus Shack had won the world title from The Rock and uh, they had taped that like five days earlier or whatever. Uh, and I remember thinking, wow, we said some crazy shit that we probably shouldn't have said as we go along here. And I'm sure a lot of that was said here. You know, trying to put the renegade over was probably in reality crazy. But in the scheme of wrestling and trying to be a wrestling announcer, the thing you had to do, anybody would have done this, right? Don't you agree? And the crowd goes mild. Right. Had you been employed as a wrestling announcer at that time, you would have gone crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, it's your job. Yeah, it's your job. I remember back when, uh, the, uh, cactus Jack, uh, thing happened. Uh, I remember, uh, Jr. saying, was quoted as saying he wouldn't have said that bullshit. He would have. Yeah. He kissed, and, he kissed Vince McMahon's ass on TV. Yeah. So, because he was, so, yeah, because he was told to, it was his job. That's exactly right. So we put the renegade over here. Okay. And we don't have to now because he was the drizzling shits, but God bless the kid. We're trying. Some of the best parts of this show, Conrad, were actually the interviews. 
Uh, and, uh, that's because we had mean gene with a cap in the back and, uh, uh, we had a lot going on now. They're sweeping out the sand in the ring and, uh, take a look at this 160,000 fans here on the beach. We started out with 120 as the day went on, they got more and more came. Well, okay. word spread about the renegades five-star match. Here we go. <laughs> master master i'm going to book something that they're all going to hate they're going to put us in a tin warehouse here in orlando florida and we are going to bake and bake and sweat and chafe until we get all these done <laughs> and i want to tell you that i need to know who is going to be the next person of the dungeon of doom that we are going to bring out <laughs> and kill hulk hogan <laughs> tell me master kevin sullivan you two foot one midget <laughs> i'll drink this maybe i'll grow no you won't grow you won't grow why did they bring my ass out of retirement for this bullshit called the Dungeon of Doom. Well, let's see. What other slap dick are we going to bring out from the Dungeon of Doom to destroy Hulkamania? Ha <laughs> ha! Look at my face. Would you like it to lick the $1 million cookie? That's right. It's LSD formed in this hard cookie that I keep in a sock that you lick it, that you will turn crazy, as crazy as this video is right now. Now, let's take a look. Here he comes, the Ugandan giant, Kumala. By the way, are you in the loop on the sound that Kamala's penis makes? I've heard you and Bruce talk about it. What is it? (laughs) But he's rubbing up against the master. Kamala, destroy Hulkamania. You know, Conrad... This was well shot. All right. Never, never mind that shit. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Dungeon of Doom a little bit later on. I want to bring in here. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Go ahead, Jim. Take it away. Oh, tough guy. I'm here to get a paycheck. And you know why? Because Hulk Hogan said so. I haven't done shit in 10 years. Back when I was with Bill Watson, Jim Ross, but JR's not here anymore. But you are. And you know what else is? My check every two weeks. Thank you, Hulkamania, for running wild and creating a spot for me to be out here with nothing more than blue trunks and a stick of wood, tough guy, because I'm here to cash the checks, not once, but every two weeks. That's why I gave up on my podcast with Sean Mooney. You know why? I didn't get one check. Now, that's not Audio Boom's fault. It's the fault of MLW. I'm talking to you, Court Bauer. I hear you're running shows in Florida, and I'm coming to get you. I might be at Battle Riot. I might win the thing. I might knock out the Quebecer. You know why? Because Hulk Hogan said so. He taught me how to train, how to say my prayers, how to eat my vitamins, and how to cash a check every two weeks. And Hulkamania is running wild as long as Hexall gets a check. Yeah, we all rode on Hulk Hogan's coattails. I would agree, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Watch out that fucking board, you idiot. Let's go to the ring. Or let's go out on the water. I, anyway, back to this. I, I thought, I really thought, for all the silliness and all the campiness and all the over-the-top bullshit that we did, I thought all those Dungeons of Doom were very well shot. They looked good. You're not agreeing with me. No, I didn't say that. I thought it was a great, I mean, listen, it was well shot, but it was a piece of shit. (laughs) It was sort of like, you know, if they were, if we were to shoot you and Lois doing porn, 
We can bring in all the lights and all the cameras and all the directors and all the gels that we want. But in the end, you know, right. Well, you know what? That should be a t-shirt, have a camera, video camera said it was well shot in a line, but it was a piece of shit. You know, (laughs) uh, speaking of shirts, we've got a new one coming this week. You should check out our t-shirt store at lowestrules.com. It's been a while since we broke out a new shirt, but man, we've got a tremendous one this week. We freestyled it last week with Cassio kid. And now it's going to be available. American whales, American whales, American whales. <laughs> I love it. Great but, design too. Man. Uh, yeah. Tremendous. Oh. Dave over at pro wrestling tees hit it out of the park. Yeah, really did. So, uh, uh, I just might get one as well. You notice that uh, you notice what I'm, uh, free, what I'm styling here on. We got the podcast row shirt available exclusively over at box yeah. Uh, of course we're not really doing promotions. We're just sharing our, our style here today. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that shirt. You know what? I feel like since we're, we're talking about promotion, even though I'm saying we're not, we should, we should just go ahead and spill the beans right now. Next week. We've got an announcement, Tony. Next week. We got an announcement, two live shows. It's your two live crew, Tony Schiavone and myself, and we're bringing the show on the road. I'll tell you where you can get your tickets next week, but just go ahead and start marking your calendars. If you live in the great city of Nashville, Tennessee, Tony Schiavone and I are coming to see you and don't forget Crockett territory. That's right. You wanted it. You asked for it. We're bringing it to you. Charlotte, North Carolina, Tony Schiavone and I are going to bring what happened when live to you, two of the great cities for your entire wrestling run. Of course you guys had tons of star starcades and lots of other big angles and matches that went down in Nashville. And of course, Charlotte, the home of Jim Crockett promotions, it's going to feel good to do those two shows back in your old stomping grounds. Right, Tony. I, I am really excited. This started out with the exchange of emails between you and me. And you said, give me some dates that you're available. Uh, and of course, when baseball season ends, football, basketball, all that. And, uh, it just so happened to work that we, we got two of them. Uh, and this will be coming up later in the year, and I cannot wait, especially, you know, I got a lot of friends in Nashville, uh, and I got a lot of friends in radio in Nashville that were going to help us promote it, uh, and I got a lot of friends in Charlotte. It's where all the Shivani kids were born. That's where we had our first house. We bought our first house. It just, we can't wait. Just absolutely pumped about coming back to Charlotte, and hopefully, Conrad, thanks to our our, our patrons and thanks to you, that there's going to be more of those as we move forward into 2019. We're excited about it, man. You know, it is something that we've been working on for quite a while and, uh, we're finally putting it to reality. And, um, you know, we've had great, great, great dealings with Zanies in Nashville. Shout out to Jonathan Craig and all the people there who made it happen like Lucy. Uh, but this, this Charlotte date, I've never done a show in Charlotte and, I'm looking forward to it, man. That's our number one requested city. I feel like Charlotte's always number one. Atlanta's always number two. And allegedly we might have something to announce for Atlanta, but for sure it's happening. If you're coming to see us, we're going to be there. Charlotte. And of course, Nashville, uh, I'm fired up, man. I'm fired up about it too. I'm, I, I can't wait to, you know, I, I love connecting with the, uh, with our listeners. I really do love connecting with them. Uh, because of my schedule, I don't do enough of it, but you know, I've been scared. We've been, by the way, for everybody, anybody who's with us on Patreon, 
Uh, we are scheduling. We've got a couple of schedules coming up with uh, Coffee with Tony. Uh, if Tony comes to your town and I'm coming to many towns, uh, we're going to be able to get together and grab coffee. So that's coming up as well. So uh, I guess we'll go ahead and give you a spoiler. They're gonna The dates are going to be November 11th in Charlotte okay. and December 16th in Nashville. So next week we'll have information on how you can get your tickets and where. Uh, but Charlotte, go ahead and block off the date, November 11th. And uh, the Panthers are not playing that day. So you don't have to worry about that. Nashville, December 16th. Come on with it. Should be fun. We're going to have a great time. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, we did one in Dallas. Uh, we're going to have our big event coming up at uh, Starcast in, in Chicago. And uh, just, uh, I, I just, I just got a feeling that the more of these we do, uh, the better I'm going to get at it. Would you agree? I mean, would you say that you and Bruce have gotten better as you've gone along? Because you guys do like one each weekend now. Dude, they, it's crazy. We did, you know, the last weekend we were in Rochester. And this week in Pittsburgh, have I told you about my crazy travel day that I had on Sunday, the 15th? No. So flying from Huntsville to Atlanta, Atlanta to Pittsburgh, hang out for a couple hours, do the show immediately at the end of the show, fly from Pittsburgh to Atlanta, Atlanta to Huntsville, four flights in a day. Wow. Starting at 5 a.m. Well, that's the way when you're in, when you're in big demand, that's shit you got to do, man. Listen to you, big demand. That's the shit you got to do. It's crazy. You, you, you got to, you know, I mean, all the big stars do that. Oh, fuck. And who knows? Man. Next, next year, at the, next year at this time, maybe we'll all be flying on the Conrad one. No, we won't. You know, better than to piss your money away like that. Don't you? Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Okay. I wish the Crockett's would have known that and not pissed their money away on, on those things. Ugh. Hey, but here's what they weren't pissing their money away on hacksaw, Jim Duggan and Kamala. This is an embarrassment to WCW that it's happening this way. Um, six minutes and six seconds, uh, you know, and it, and it comes on the heels of Paul Lorndorf and the renegade. I mean, it's unbelievable. M- Meltzer yeah. would write this match belonged in another decade. So did the finish Duggan hit a clothesline. Ah. <sighs> And then went after Sullivan with the ref distracted Zodiac hit Duggan from behind, allowing Kamala to make the pin negative quarter star. Yeah. But unless at least Brutus, the barber beefcake got a payday, right? <laughs> yeah. He, by the way, he's getting a payday at Starcast. He'll be there. Kamala will not be nor will hacksaw Jim Duggan. Wow. Uh, but wait, whoa, whoa. Hang on a second. Brutus beefcake is going to be in the same venue with you. Yeah. Okay. Well, Dave Meltzer's going to be in the same venue with me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, there you go. I, 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 don't, I mean, it feels like now during this shitty of a match, I should play another song. Yeah. Yeah. I know you should, but let's not, let's just, uh, you know, uh, the, the match is 10 years removed and the gimmick is as well. I mean, you know, what, uh, uh, a head hunter, right? I mean, what kind of fucking gimmick is that? Maybe it worked back in the seventies. Or back in the eighties, well, during the regional territories, but, but not there. Um, never met Kamala. Did I ever tell you that the first time I, I saw him though, we were, he came to a, a, a WCW taping back in the old, uh, days of the old, uh, studio show. And I walked in the back cause the boys used to hang out in the back in the offices 
and he was laying on his back with his face painted, right, and a cigar in his mouth, stuck up just smoking the cigar, laying on his back. And I'm thinking, wow, if I had a camera. Now, of course, if I had my, you know, had my phone, I would have taken a picture, but that was quite a visual. Yes, no, yes, no, payday. Brutus, what are you hitting with? Oh, oh my God. I mean, I feel like the illusion is ruined a little bit when we see that Kamala has on wrestling shorts underneath. The, the illusion that you and Bruce have tried to create? No, I'm just saying he's got this loincloth. Like he should have some other sort of like leopard print right. underwear gimmick, not just like a pair of black hang tidy whities or whatever. Right. Well, the Dungeon of Doom have ruled again. What an awful fucking idea this was. By the way, I feel like we should mention we've got a Dungeon of Doom photo op at StarCast in case you need to see, in case you need a picture of um, Kevin Sullivan and Beefcake and who, um, whoever else is going to be there. Well, you better get a little two-step ladder for Kevin Sullivan to stand on or he won't be in the shot. How what about- is he in with here? Uh, that's Kamala's mask. Kamala's mask. I thought it's something that said Slim Jim's on it. <laughs> I uh, thought it was some, uh, I don't know what, oh God. Do you think that, no. uh, Nick Patrick did his uh, personal grooming like he did, uh, his hair? <laughs> Take a look at this duo. Would you, huh? The more Heenan had the drink, the more the glasses went down on his nose. But you know, I, and I, 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 I shouldn't say that wrong Heenan was very funny in this show look oh, at this no 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 you don't get to back up now you're shitting on him speaking okay. of shitting on him okay well it's the fact that Shivani would never shit on me would never shit on Heenan would never shit on anybody if it wasn't for that motherfucker from Alabama Conrad Thompson who as we all know is a little bit shaky speaking of shaky let's bring in the macho man Randy Savage going up in a lumberjack, uh, I'm sorry, lifeguard match coming up against the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Look at the gimmick that you're wearing. Are you advertising Slim Jim? How much money have they given you? They gave me all the money, Gene. You see, that's what I came in. I said, Hulk Hogan monopolized the budget. Uh-huh. I'll bring my own sponsorship. Of course, I did that once I bagged and tagged Stephanie McMahon. Got ran out of Stanford. Now I'm down here hanging and banging with my brother. He's getting all the Turner's money. I'm getting all of the Slim Jim money. Yeah, snap into it, dig it. See, this is my pay-per-view. The posts have Slim Jim. My gear has Slim Jim. My hats has Slim Jim. You know what that means? It means this is the pay-per-view where I get to that Hogan money, not the Sting money. Uh-uh, freak out. Well, Hogan's making a lot of money, but also we've been making some money here. I've made money. Heenan's made money since Hogan has come aboard. What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. Yeah, I got to need a little bit of more money, uh-huh, because Elizabeth not with me. No, not here. She is, in fact, going to be with Ric Flair, and that is why we're really here. It's not just about money. It's about the women, Ric Flair, and you think you can have all the women, one wife, two wife, three wife, four wife, five wives. You've got more wives than Booker T had world titles, but not me, uh-uh. I was one and done with Miss Elizabeth, and now you took her. And I'm here to claim my Slim Jims and my woman tonight here at Bash at the Beach, brought to you by Slim Jim. Snap into it. Did I say Slim Jim enough? I'm getting paid. I'm getting sting money for one night, and I'm doing it with Hulk Hogan. At least uh, one of your wives never knocked you out, Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, With that in mind, let's go to the ring. We've got more action here on Bash at the Beach. Thank goodness Duggan and Kamala are done. 
listen, Lord knows I love me some DDP, but would you look at this motherfucker right here? Wow. Wow. You know, here's the thing. He paid someone American money for this jacket. When in reality, they'd have paid him to take the motherfucker. Take a look at this. 185,000 fans jammed into the beach here. Whoa. Now they got this little gimmick here. This is very uncomfortable. This was uncomfortable back then. And it damn sure is uncomfortable now. She goes to get the flowers and he is going to shove her around. It's just very uncomfortable. I don't know what we were thinking. And I don't know if that's them. You know, they could have been doing this on their own. I don't think Dallas. I don't know. But see now, see what he does. Gets in her face and pushes her around. Just bad news. But the good news is he's taking the jacket off. (laughs) We don't have to see it. Dude. I mean, he looks like. He looks like the world's worst power ranger in this outfit. Yeah. I do like to say hello to, uh, oh my God. What am I watching right now? Oh my God. All right. Now, now let me get this right. Okay. We had the renegade at Paul Orndorff. We had Kamala and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And now we've got Dave Evad Sullivan coming to the ring. Yikes. No wonder this fucking show was a one star or a dud or whatever. No, this gets, um, Half a star of this match in particular. Let me tell you what, what's going on here. God. Sullivan ran in and stuffed the flowers down Paige's throat. The big pop during this match wasn't that the fans were into it. It was when you play it back and hear the pop, it's because a woman at ringside took her top off and the heat from the crowd was the police hauling her off. The match itself had no heat. Sullivan got his upside down bear hug on. Guess what? Max Muscle jumped on the apron. Sullivan went after him. Page got him from behind to use the diamond cutter for the pin. And that was the fourth time in five matches that spot had been used. Three of the four heel win finishes. Suffice to say, nobody spent more than a few seconds going over the finish. Wow. Just, uh, just brutal. I can't, uh, I can't wait for the spot with a girl taking off her top. Do we, do we see it? No, of course not. Even if we saw it, WWE would have edited it out. So what does it matter? Man alive. You know, Tony, you're 60 years old. Um, <laughs> you shouldn't have to be working this hard to see nipples in 2018. But in a matter of fact, let me just have you go in your Google machine and just type in nipples. No, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. You know, I did it. Well, and they walked picture, behind but, me and see me looking at nipples on, on, and what, what would, you know, then, then when we're finished here, I've got to deal with her for who know, who knows how long. So no, it's not worth it. You see, when you get my age, you'll, you'll, you'll get to things that are worth it and things that are not worth it. And that Googling nipples, not worth it. Okay, man. I got to tell you, I, I don't know what I was doing, but I typed in wrestling nipples just to see what happened. Yep. Man, there is an account for everything. There's a Tumblr called Wrestler's Nipples. Who, who fucking, who built that? I don't know. I, look, it, the, the internet has certainly been a, uh, a kind of thing to you and me, but man, there are some crazy fuckers living here on the internet. And I guess people could say that you and I are two of those as well. No, we aren't. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, what happened on the way here. Pretty controversial deal. Okay. 
Kevin Sullivan officially replaced Ric Flair as head booker of world championship wrestling after a meeting on July 5th. The news was, the news was hardly a surprise as for weeks, Flair and Bischoff had been at odds over numerous things, many stemming from disagreements on booking philosophy between Flair and Hulk Hogan and their camps, respectively. The Hogan camp philosophy stemming from the eighties success with the WWF surrounded putting title belts on top baby faces and feeding them a succession of heels one after another, usually large and freaky, having the top baby face never lose. And the key faces never lose, except in the case of a major league screw job, the flair philosophy, because of his own upbringing in the business and where his strengths lie during his prime plays more emphasis on good wrestlers, having mainly heel champions and having the baby face try to catch the heels. It's reminiscent of many of the territories during the height of the Southern territorial wrestling boom in the seventies and early eighties. One can say neither approach has proven to work in the nineties, but the fact is what really has. So of course, Flair is going to stay in as part of the booking committee. Um, but he's replaced by Bischoff because Flair was allegedly unwilling to work 40 hour weeks in the office. Uh, which Flair felt would force his family to move from Charlotte to Atlanta. And he's just not doing that. He's got gold gems there and he just doesn't want to. So his contract is through the end of late 97 and Arn Anderson is also on the booking committee here. This has to be something people were talking about. What do you remember about Kevin Sullivan stepping in and Flair stepping down? Well, Kevin was always the go-to guy. He was always the guy that, that hung around, would do whatever the company wanted to do. And I, and I knew that with uh, Kevin Sullivan uh, being the booker, I knew that it would be more Hulk Hogan friendly. And thus the development, right, of the, of the Dungeon of Doom. And, you know, here comes Kamala in to feed to Hogan, the giant to feed to Hogan. And this was, this, you know, this was all uh, based on, on helping them. God, I don't like him. How he's treating that girl. Uh, how he's uh, helping Hogan. Uh, I also knew that. Look, I don't think Flair. Flair could have said that he didn't. That he didn't want to move his family to Atlanta, and I can understand that. If you, but Flair didn't need to move his family to Atlanta. Flair just didn't want to spend. He didn't want to spend the time it takes to be the Booker. Because being the booker is like a head coach. Being the booker is like a head NFL coach, and you, you hear about this all the time. Being a booker is like being Nick Saban, right? And how much time does Nick Saban uh, spend on his product? Hang on, Sister Sherry. Uh, I do want to ask you, you've got Harlem Heat, and we've got going to have uh, six men in the ring together. That's right, Gene. Don't look down my top as I'm talking to you. But, uh, yeah, that's right. We've got two here's and suckers got to know that we are going to walk out with the tag team championship, regardless if it's the nasty boys or it's the blue bloods or it's the red bloods or it's the black bloods or it's people taking drugs. Doesn't fucking matter because I'm a girl from the South and I don't give a shit. All right. Uh, I want to talk to you, Booker T. Well, let me tell you something, sucker. I'm about to be world champion soon as I can unhitch my brother from this gravy train you see eventually some new shit's gonna come along where i can pop him off over on that and sell him on the fact that us splitting up and him going his own way with this new push will be a good idea you got any ideas on how we could do that stevie yeah suckers got to know this tony shivani and i are going to end up being a a team announcing because i ain't worth a fuck in the ring 
and I'm dragging the brother down here, so I'm just going to say, suckers got to know, straight suit and CB Ray is going to have his day behind the microphone. That's right, have his day behind the microphone. I'm going to uh, continue to put my hand on the backside of uh, Sister Sherry here as we go to the World Tag Team title. So we've got the Blue Bloods here with uh, Bobby Eaton and Regal in there with the Nasty Boys and the Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat in this era, to me, uh, this is, you know, not, this is before they're doing their best work, in my opinion. Okay. When was their best work? I really liked 1996 and 1997. I think those were their breakout years. And when Booker T sort of cemented himself as, Hey, they, we got something here. Uh, it feels like we're still trying to just have anything for Bobby Eaton. And I know that a lot of people hate this version of Bobby Eaton. Let me just say, at least it was something because it felt like Bobby Eaton just sort of floundered around with no real direction. And while this may be stupid, at least it's fucking something. Yeah. And you know, Steve Regal, and I talked about this gimmick and, and as, as I've made mention of the fact many times, Regal and I have always been very good friends. We talked about how to handle Bobby and the deal was Bobby was going to be like Eliza Doolittle and Steve Regal was going to be like professor Higgins. And he was going to try to bring what they try to do in my fair lady or in Pygmalion was to get this girl who's rough around the edges and make her into a sophisticate. And, uh, is that a word sophisticate? No, but I mean, you can't even say cumulative. Don't want it that slow now. Cumulative. Well, you can't say library. I mean, there's like three, there's like 30 words now. We, we, we well, should just do a shirt of all the words you can't pronounce. Yeah, I know it would, it would take the front and the back. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, uh, from being from hillbilly Craigsville, Virginia. Uh, but the fact is that we worked on that and there was a, there was a vignette, I think a couple of vignettes done about the, uh, the blue bloods in Hollywood. Uh, and I think if I recall one of the vignettes was them standing on the street corner, uh, where, uh, that one guy, uh, ended up getting a blowjob. That one actor. Remember uh, that? Uh, Hugh Grant, Hugh Grant. Thank you. I love that. That's they, what you remember. That one guy got a blowjob. Do you remember, remember, do you remember who did the, uh, who did the, the favor for him? What her name was? No. Divine what? Brown. What Brown? Divine. Divine Brown. Well, they went to that same street corner. And they talked about how Hugh Grant has sullied the name of all the great actors from Great Britain by what he had done to him here on the street corner. Hmm. So anyway, those uh, uh, being that, uh, listen, this is not my favorite version of the Nasty Boys either because my favorite version of the Nasty Boys is the one with Missy Hyde. Oh, I know you're going to say that. That's there, man. Really, really. Although, you know, we, we mentioned many, many times on this show that uh, the nasty boys are vastly underrated as a tag team. Yeah, they definitely are. You know, yeah. I, I'll tell you this though, Harlem heat. I still think don't get their due. Like I know I said, this wasn't their best work. I still prefer the 96, 97 stuff, but Harlem heat in 94, 95, they were building some momentum, man. And I think when you look at their total run to me, they're, they're never listed in the conversation, much like the nasty boys. It feels like everybody just immediately jumps to road warriors or Steiners or rock and rolls or midnight. But I mean, classic, how about Zubaz rocket? <laughs> I don't know. 
How would you describe the look that guy was sporting there? It looked like if Bill Alfonso was sporting <laughs> some uh, Zubaz. But this is look, California, not Florida. Yeah, it looked like we took a guy off the street corner who was panning for money and put a Zubaz hat on him and put him in the audience is what we did. And that wouldn't be beyond us. Uh, Can you imagine in real life? Let's just imagine for a minute. You're walking through, I don't know. I'll let you pick. Home Depot, Lowe's, or Walmart? Where are you walking through? Uh, I'm walking through, uh, me, I'm walking through Home Depot. And, and you turn the corner, and yep. there are Booker T and Stevie Ray dressed like they are here. Right. What's your reaction? Uh, run for the door. I mean, if you just saw two giant purple people eaters like this with flames all over their body and skulls on, you'd be like, what the fuck did, did I just walk into? But at the same time, let's say you're at the other end of the Home Depot and you come around the corner and they're the nasty boys. Yeah. Dressed like they are here. Yeah. Some of this ridiculous. I mean, we, I think we just sometimes just overlook like how ridiculous some of this is. Like if you were to see it in a, in a regular walk of life. Like the blue bloods just picking out cereal at McDonald's. I mean, at uh, <laughs> a, uh, a Walmart. At Walmart. It wouldn't be, you know, based on uh, what it has come through Walmart throughout the years. It wouldn't be the strangest be, thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, wow. It just. Uh, now, this is going to be a, a uh, I guess, a three-way match That's for right. the World Pack Team Championship. You got it. All right. Uh, and now this is something that you see nightly on raw. Uh, always have all, you know, three teams going at it or a fatal four way or a fatal five way. And, uh, but I thought Bobby looked pretty good there. Doesn't you? No, you listen, look- that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I like this version of him better. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I prefer the, the midnight express version, but that's not an option here. So, I mean, this will do better than what he was doing before. Yeah. If you tie your hair and in, in the bun in the back, it, it kind of accentuates your chest and your traps. And I thought he looked very, very good there. So what are we doing? We doing the fucking coin toss. Here's what we're doing. We're doing 13 minutes and 41 seconds. Okay, the rules were never explained to the fans live. So nobody understood the finish. They were explained right. on television, but nobody understood the finish anyway. Bobby Heenan didn't understand them based on his commentary. And the only one who figured the rules out was Tony Schiavone and whoever else came up with them. The deal was it wasn't an elimination match. It would just end with the first pinfall and whoever got that pinfall would be the world tag team champions. Heenan kept talking about both teams wanting to keep heat in the ring so they could win the title when heat keeping in the ring was irrelevant. It also made the match make no sense because whomever scored the pin winning the belts. So why would a team member tag someone from a different team? Because it was for the time being, they're eliminating their own chances of winning. Shivani actually picked up on that point, but I guess nobody else who booked the match did. So the match consisted of sloppy brawling and made absolutely no sense. Finish saw Jerry Sags backdrop Booker T who fell on Steve Regal. Brian Knobs went for the pin on Regal, but T fell in between. And since T was the one on top of Regal, it meant he won the match and retained the title, but this was never made clear live and nobody could figure out what was going on. Negative half a star. Yeah. Look, uh, Meltzer's right about all of this. And here's what, here was one of the downfalls of Ric Flair being a booker and Kevin Sullivan being a booker. And the downfall was as when the business gets bigger and you get more people involved and you have bigger shows, 
you have more people you have to communicate with. And the communication to us as announcers was not good. That's why I go back and, and say that the Vince Russo era was great for me because we had more communication than we had at any other time about what the matches would be, what the finish would be, what makes sense, what is logical. We didn't have that because Kevin and Rick and the booking committee back then never did think about, oh, we should tell the announcers this. That never, because they were, they were too much involved in setting up this match and setting up that match. And a lot of times we were just going through the, mo- we not going through the motions, but we were kind of working on our own as announcers because we didn't know what in the hell was going on. And that was the downfall of Rick being a booker and then Kevin being a booker. As, as much as I like those guys and as much as they are, uh, had some great, wonderful ideas, the bigger the company got, the more people we needed to be between us and the booking committee to be able to make sense of shit. The company just got too big, too fast. Uh, and again, when the company gets too big, too fast in New York or in the WWF, they add more people in production and more people working behind the scenes. We just add wrestlers. So you see what I'm getting at here. Yes, I do. Okay. Thank you. I, I, I really think that's a big part of it. I think of the, I think the miscommunication and the confusion uh, on these matches uh, and the miscommunication with the announcers and trying to, you know, make it seem uh, logical was a big part of our downfall. I really do. Eventually. So this is going to be like a 13 minute piece of shit brawl here, right? That's yep. basically all this yeah, is. We're, we're watching one of the biggest piece of shit pay-per-views <laughs> in the history of WCW. And I feel like we should tell everybody that, mm-hmm. um, this poll was on Patreon. And, uh, hopefully you're listening to this early on Patreon. If you're not check us out, patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. Uh, you still get the show on Monday and you get it ad free, lots of bonus content. Uh, you get to help pick the polls, lots of fun stuff. You even did a couple of videos living with Lois. Yeah. We've done two of those two episodes of that. And it's kind of like an extension of what we kind of go through all the time, Lois and I. You know, she's all, she's very outspoken, as you know, right? Oh yeah, she's she has very, strong opinions. Strong opinions, and those strong opinions, if they're directed towards me, so be it. So, and there's, I mean, she doesn't do it in a in a mean way. You know, she does it in, in a very entertaining way, and she she makes me laugh. So hopefully, they'll make you laugh as well. So, yeah, uh, so we put this on the on the poll, and we did a poll based on just Vader uh, because a lot of people wanted to see, you know, Leon just passed away and wanted to see Leon uh, matches. So we got Vader in a cage coming up here against Hulk Hogan. And so, uh, and, and that's why this, this match is here. And, of course, as we've said before, shitty pay-per-views make for good podcasts. And this was pretty shitty pay-per-view. No doubt about it. Super yeah. shitty pay-per-view. Is that Lois yelling at you right now? Yeah. You're in trouble. Uh, Are you in trouble? Uh, no, she uh, was yelling at the dogs. They were fighting. Oh, I thought you guys were. No. I thought shit was about to go down. <laughs> it always is about to go down, man. Just depends on what day it is. Oh God. Yeah, see now they, they look at now this match has come to a, a screeching halt here. 
Well, this pay-per-views come to a screeching halt here. My God. And you know, here's the thing too. Like we've got good performers in here, right? It's just, it's just, you know, the, well, it, the it, format it, for this show or for this match, like it's a miss. It goes back to something I've said before. The format should be that anytime you have a pay-per-view, each match should have a reason, should have an angle. They just put matches in there. Okay, let's have the Renegade. He's the world television title. Let's have him defend against somebody. Oh, let's have him defend against Orndorff because he's a trainer and he'll be able to make him a better wrestler than he really is. Let's put him in there with that. Let's have Diamond Dallas Page work against Evad. Yeah, just, you know, just throwing matches together works for a house show, maybe, but it doesn't work for a pay-per-view, which should be your, you know, right, should be your, uh, one of your main uh, events of the year, which obviously it is. Some of this shit brings me down. At least Sherry gets involved. Is, I've, I know I've asked you this before, and as you know, I don't remember. Is she in the Hall of Fame? Sherry? Yes. Yeah. Damn well should be. One of the great female performers of all time. She was a little bit uh, out there, but she was a great female performer. I mean, some of the stuff that she did, even back when Remember she was Queen Sherry and the King Macho Man when they were together? That, was my, that was my favorite shit, yeah. That was your favorite Sherry stuff back mm-hmm. then? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She did good stuff, man. Great shit. And Regal, through all of this, trying to be a great performer, trying to be a great heel, just, I don't know. You look, are you Okay. Yeah, just uh, sometimes this this stuff. When I when I when I think back and I think back about how much better we could have been, it brings me down. It does. Even twenty three years later, it brings me down. How much better we could have been, and a lot of that could have been just basically, just fine tuning shit. You know, back when, when they when they have uh, they have films, they have television shows, they have uh, they have creative control. Uh, and they have uh, continuity people. We didn't have any continuity people. We should have had continuity people to make sure that, you know, that what we were doing was uh, everybody was on the same page, and we didn't. Not blaming anybody for that. I guess you could claim, could blame Eric for it. Next time you talk to Eric on 83 Weeks, ask him, say, why didn't you have continuity people? Shivani wants to know that. Then his probably response would be, well, Shivani should have been the continuity person. Maybe he should have taken a more active role in that. And how would you respond to that? I was, uh, I would have responded to that by saying, if you told me you're in charge of continuity, I'd have been in charge of continuity. See, I, I think that uh, we were just, we were just, we just didn't have enough people to make things work. And I don't want to sit here and, and shit on everything that we were doing because Man, we had some good, hardworking kids. And there was so much potential with this show. Even Meltzer said, right? He hopes they do it every year. Didn't he say that? Or was he being facetious? No, I think he was being legit. Yeah. I like the look of this show, man. This is what, to me, when you think of Bash at the Beach, this is what it should be. It should be an outdoor, beachy thing. And, of course, Southern California, you're probably not going to have rain. In July, and uh, you have a clear, crystal clear sky like we're having, so you can always have it out there. 
But the fans just, I mean, the fans' response always makes a match better. We know that, as Meltzer would incorrectly say, the heat from the fans would make it better. But the fans just weren't into that at all. I mean, they were just absolutely sitting on their hands here. And probably, if you think about it, they were probably waiting on Macho Man, Flair, and Hogan and Vader to come out. Well, I mean, but why wouldn't they? That's all you had hyped. Like, even... Right. <sighs> I feel like I'm being mean here. No, you're not being mean. You're being honest. That's what we're being honest about. Regal's such a fine performer. Really is, man. And, and you got to wonder now, who's calling the match here, right? I, there's always a team that calls the match, but you got six guys in here, and who's... I just... I don't know. How's Bobby's health? Have you heard lately? I have not. Is doing? I have not. I knew his health had been bad and, uh, I hadn't seen him in a couple of years and I just hope he's doing okay. Cause he was one of the kids that would do anything. Blue blood starting to shine here a little bit, aren't they? Keeping it in their corner. Bobby trying to do Alabama jam. No, he went off top with a forearm. Wow. What, what do you make of, uh, you know, the nasty boys in this era, you know, being in this spot, do you think that this is, um, Hulk Hogan influence or is it warranted based on their work and effort? Uh, it's Hulk Hogan influence. I think, I mean, uh, you mean in a good way, Hulk Hogan influence in a good way or why Hulk Hogan? I mean, a lot of people would say they're here because Brian Nobbs is boys with Hogan. Right, right, right. Yeah. That, that has, that has a lot of validity to it. A lot of validity. I mean, you know, you could have said that they had their spot too, because you know, uh, Jerry Sags and dusty Rhodes were in-laws. When Dusty was booking back then, I, I, I like to think that, uh, they were a very good tag team and had a very good look and a very good character. Uh, and, um, I always thought that, I don't know. It seems like that, that right now, Brian Knobs is trying to kick it up a bit here, realizing this match is kind of going downhill a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, yeah. Brian Nobbs being Hulk Hogan's boy, that helps with the spots. There's no question. Wow, good spot there. Always did like that spot. Trying to sunset flip and just sitting right down on the midsection. See, hot tag here, no reaction from the fans. It's, um... It's not, you know, that's the thing. Like, I don't even know why this doesn't work, you know, because you've got three talented guy, three talented teams in there and it's just a miss. Give her well, a time cue here. Tell everybody where we are. The whole show is a miss. And one of the reasons is we're at 121, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52. That's where I am. Uh, and hopefully you're about the same place, Conrad. One of the reasons it doesn't work is that the lack of fan reaction and it always makes matches better and it makes the guys better workers. It makes the guys. How about that? 
Nasty boys come away with the win, at least we think. Uh, fan reaction makes wrestlers better. It makes the match better. It makes them better workers, and it just makes the match. Even the match can be shitty, but if the fan reaction is there, then it's going to seem better than it really was. Okay, see, Nasty Boys thought they won it, but Harlem Heat's going to walk away with the World Tag Team Championship. Uh, just a completely bogus, fucked up finish, right? <laughs> no doubt about it, dude. Yeah, man. So let's try to go back in the replay and explain what happened. This said early in the match. Replay's not even done well. The shadows were very bad there as well. That's why they had the lights on the grid above the ring. And here is the big splash, and they're going to say what? That Booker T had the shoulders. So there is the Nasty Boys thought they won it. But Booker T was laying on him at the same time, and they gave it to the World Tag Team Champions. Figure that one out. Look at this. Sea of Humanity. 190,000 people, the biggest, biggest crowd we've ever had. And now we're going to try to explain to the fans exactly what just happened. We don't know. See? He just like, wait. One, two, three. Booker was on him, and Sags was on him, and uh, I don't know. We have no idea. What happened here? Wow. All right, let's go out and talk to Mean Gene. Uh, uh, Sister Sherry, your guys came across with the tag team. Of course we came across with a tag team championship in the most fucked up finish that you'll ever want to see in pro wrestling in WCW. We had no idea who was pinning whom, so we just gave the belts back to our boys here, the world tag team champions. Isn't that right, Stevie Ray? We are still the champions. Uh, Booker T, what do you think about what we just saw in the ring? I ain't letting him talk yet. This is Stevie Ray coming at you. I'm trying to work on my fruit booties. I'm trying to work on my suckers got to know. Because if you just watch that match, you know what my brother been known for several years is that my days in the ring is long gone. I should have stuck with that shit down in global, but no, I had to come up on here and ride these coattails to a tag team championship, baby, which should be the only belt I ever have. What about it, Booker? You know the only thing I'm Booker, I just want, I'm just glad that match is over and I know you would uh, feel the same way. You seem really pissed off to me uh, that you were involved in some sort of six-man clusterfuck like just happened. Well, because I'm the five-time, 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 five-time world champion if I could get rid of my brother just one time. That's all it would take just one time to dump my brother. He won't let me have a singles match, not even just one time. And I told him that we didn't need Colonel Robert Parker and we don't need Sherry. We don't need all this. All I need is Vince Russo to come down here, fuck this company once and for good, and then I can be world champ. All right, Sherry, I do want to say that I'm available for drinks afterwards in the hotel bar. Well, you may be available for drinks, Gene, but you are way too old for me to have it, anything to do with. Let me say this. As long as these two guys are world tag team champions, I'm going to get a paycheck, and that's what it's all about. Nothing else. It's about getting a paycheck. It's not about who goes over. It's not about who forges ahead. It's not about who knows Hulk Hogan. It is about getting a paycheck. All right, the world tag team champions, suckers, gots to know. Fruity booty. Do you say fruity booties? I can't. Yeah, he says fruit booty. Fruit booty. Okay. And Gene checking out Sherry as they walk off. 
All right. Well, the good news is we only have an hour more to go of this, and we still got a couple of the matches that we are looking forward to seeing. Ric Flair, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Vader versus Hogan. And then we have kind of a uh, a screwed-up finish here. Take a look at this helicopter showing us all the sights and the sounds of Huntington Beach, California, on the beach. And let's take a look the other way. Wow. Take a look at that. How many did Meltzer say were actually there? 9,000? 9,500. I think it's more than that, don't you? I mean, based on your estimation, I think it's around 187,000 people. I I just thought 190,000. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think you're going way too high. I think it's 187,000. Yeah, and if I recall, uh, that was me freestyling on my own. Well, of saying, course, nobody's going to give you any direction. It's WCW. Right. Oh, and now we're going to go to uh, Gene Okerlund, I do believe, is going to be talking to the nature boy, Ric Flair, about his upcoming match, of course, with the, uh, right now I'm trying to, I'm explaining that a lumberjack match is basically what a, uh, the type of match we're going to see here. Uh, this is going to be called a lifeguard match, but it's actually a lumberjack match and lifeguards around the ring. So that's what I'm kind of explaining here uh, to the fans. And uh, what we have guys with security protecting us. You see that Slim Jim security. By the way, this is one of the first times I remember seeing Slim Jim's on the ring post. Really? I don't mean like I've never seen it before. I mean, had, did it happen before Bash of the Beach 95 that you recall? Uh, for some reason, I remember seeing it on a WCW Saturday night show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nobody was watching that, but you, and you you were only watching that because you were forced to nature boy, Ric Flair. It's going to be lifeguards surrounding the ring. And my question is throughout the years, how many female lifeguards have you known? Me, Gene, I'm here in my finest of robes. You see, it's the pink robe that's going to hang in my son-in-law's closet one day. And I'm talking to you, you little slapdick Conrad Thompson down there in Huntsville, Alabama, scratching around, trying to find a way to get into the Flair family. Piss off! Because my daughter, Megan, she has bigger fish to fry. And I know you're the biggest fish of them all, not because you're a big deal, but because you're fat as fuck, fat boy. And I'm telling you now, if you think you're going to ease into my limelight, you got another thing coming! Because I'm out here to take all the money from Slim Jim. You see, Slim Jim has bet on the wrong horse. They should have backed the Nature Boy, but then they'd have to rename their product because, Gene, you can ask all of North Carolina, South Carolina, all around the Mid-Atlantic Territory, ain't nothing about the Nature Boy Slim. You understand what I'm talking about? You ask Tony Schiavone. He knows that he's seen it not once, but two times, the baby's arm holding an apple because Gene, I've got a bit of a reputation that I'm going to dance all night, that I'm going to dance a little longer. And you would too, Gene, if your gimmick had a name after an amusement park ride. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing to Slim Jim. We're putting them out of business because we're going to have flares, all beef patty snacks coming your way. It's 100% intensified beef products. And you don't have to learn to like it. You've got to learn to love it, Gene. Well, I do love it. I tell you that. Well, uh, I know I, you love you, it. And so does that little fat shit, Conrad Thompson. That little fucker needs to quit eating Slim Jims if he thinks he's going to get in my family. You hear me, Gene? 
Well, there you have it. He's going to get all the Slim Jim money, but not a dime from the StarCast money, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Get the fuck out of here and go to the ring, as we're going to have right now some of the Baywatch lifeguards make their way to the ring here on Bash of the Beach. 190,000 people. I have no idea why we're filling time here. I don't know. Maybe the uh, lifeguards weren't ready. Maybe the continuity person doesn't have the lifeguards ready to uh, to go. I don't know. Maybe Flair was making sure oh. they were ready. Here they go. Some extras from Baywatch. And uh, really a funny moment here that, uh, again, got my uh, made me laugh. They're going to show Heenan here <laughs> checking out the women. See there? <laughs> that was, that was, that, again, that, that's, that's Heenan freestyling his own. And it just, it was just very, very, that's Bobby Heenan being Bobby Heenan. Wow, that was funny. <laughs> it's going to do it again, man. <laughs> One of the best, dude. Yes, he was, man. And of course, we would, uh, well, there's Hacksaw Jim Duggan back. He's going to get, uh, Get paid twice for today. Ho! But that, Arn Anderson is here. And this is your lifeguard match, which, of course, is a lumberjack match. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. You ever spend any time on the beach in California, Conrad? I have not. I've been to California a few times, but never actually made my way out to the beach. Now, I have yeah. been um, to the beaches in like Cabo, which is basically California South. Right. Yeah. This was the only time I'd, I, I've been, I've been to Malibu, but I mean, we just had dinner in Malibu. We weren't really on the beach and this was the first and only time I had been on the beach. That's Stevie Ray behind him. No, that's a slim Jim security card. Sorry. For some reason. Racist. I, no, it's not. It looked like him when I glanced at him that time. Racist. So, no, you son of a bitch. Don't say that. Okay. So you got this pink robe, right? It's in your closet. Why don't you put in a big glass case and put it like in the middle of your foyer or something? Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be fun? Actually, uh, I'll give you a spoiler. I don't have this robe anymore. Can't say where it is, but I don't have it anymore. You got drunk and gave it to somebody. Like Flair used to get drunk and give people his Rolexes, right? No. Okay. Can't say where it is. Oh, all right. It'll all make sense soon enough. <laughs> uh, oh, I know where it is. Can <laughs> well, I freestyle here? No, don't say it. I was told. I mean, I can't say it. Can I freestyle? I, I really don't know. But can I venture a guess? If, or you, if I... you do, I'm not going to sell it, but you can go ahead and guess okay. if you like. It's, be, it's being dry clean because you're going to walk down the aisle with the robe on. Oh, no, that would be hilarious. No, no, that is not it. You know, what's, what, how great would that be if I had like a wedding party filled with like all of my buddies and they were all sporting robes. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not that big of a douche. Uh, okay. No, I mean, I, I, I can admit that I'm a douche sometimes, but, yeah. but not yeah. that big one. No, no. You're pretty big size. No, it is. There will be all no, uh, there'll be no, um, Ric Flair isms at the wedding. I mean, he will be here, 
but right. I mean, allegedly, you know, he might get a booking that day. I don't know. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, Randy Savage throws the slim Jims out and then he snaps into one himself. I'm going to get heat for that. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, could macho man have put over slim Jim? I mean, he's not a master of the art of subtlety here. Is he not? Not, not only did he throw slim Jims out there, buddy, he snapped into one himself. You know, they needed a goddamn candy man, but instead they got a goddamn beef snack, man. Right. Oh, okay. Johnny B. Bad, one of the, uh, Dave Sullivan, Arn Anderson, Dick Slater, come on back and bunkhouse buck guys that were in the dark matches. Dick Slater. How about it? Yes, sir. And the uh, diamond Dallas. Is he is he chewing on a Slim Jim or is that a a cigar he's got in his hand? That's huh. a great question. I don't know. You know, and and so now we are really looking at really two of the great performers that we had at that time. And uh, uh, chat me up here. Give us a uh, a a rating on this match. Sure, as written I'd be up happy by the. To. Uh, two and three quarter stars. They're going to go 13 minutes and 55 seconds. Uh, wow. Flair talked about Elizabeth during his interview, but at this point she isn't coming in. It's just Flair doing interviews. Finish saw Arn Anderson try to interfere, but was decked. Savage then backdrop Flair over the top rope with a face lumberjacks caught him breaking the bump. What about the DQ rule with the ref distracted? Anderson gave Savage a DDT and Flair went for the pin, but Savage kicked out. Savage makes a big comeback as you would say accumulating, uh, in the, uh, elbow off the top rope. This was nowhere near as good as their previous match, but compared with the rest of the show, it was two and three quarter stars. So, uh, I think it wins the, uh, the highest rating on the entire show, which I don't guess is really saying anything. My, my question is, and you probably don't know the answer to this was Ric Flair ever giving this lower rating before by Meltzer or since yes. was could this be the, all right, this is not the lowest rated Ric Flair match ever. No. Okay. That's pretty low. Anything under a three for Flair to me is pretty low for Meltzer. So. Yeah. A lot of people say that Meltzer had a Flair bias. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, you just, you just snap that up. You agree with that? Yeah, of course he did. Okay. What, what was wrong with that? He was a great performer. I, mean, I didn't say anything was wrong with it. I was just making conversation. I'll be quiet. I'll shut my dumb fucking mouth. No, no, I don't know. Please don't because it, this, this thing works when there's a conversation going on between you and me. Oh, we have to talk. Yes. We have to talk. Shit. Okay. Now the lumberjacks, I'm a lumberjack and I don't care. Lumberjacks. Do you know what that song's from? No, I, I don't know what you're saying. I feel like you just had a stroke. Okay. You don't know the. You don't know the Lumberjack song from Monty Python? No, I've never watched that on purpose. Oh. I'm a Lumberjack and I'm okay. Can I, I play, work. can I play Touch My Tutor by Wayne? <laughs> Say that again. Touch My Tutor. No, don't, don't, don't play that. I like the Lumberjack song by Monty Python better. It's... Touch, touch my what? My tutor. Why do I pay so much? Why do I pay so much? 
I think I think Lois would like if you touch. You know what? You know what that song sounds like. That sounds like a song that was put on a forty-five and you played on thirty-three and a third. You know? You know what that is? No, I feel like you're doing a Scott Steiner promo right now. <laughs> That's what that music sounded like back in the day when there were turntables. You have forty-fives and you have thirty-three and a thirds. Thirty-three and a third was obviously slower. And if you put a 45 on 33 and a third, it would sound like that. That's what it would sound like. Something like that. Hmm. Okay. So, and I, and I know in your age, you probably don't even know what a turntable is with the exception of maybe going to a. No, I know exactly what that is. Beck used to sing about it. He had two turntables and a microphone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that your jam? Are you in the loop on Beck? Have you ever heard of that? I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Look, you know, things. Yeah, I do know things. I'm wow. Holy shit. That was quite a tumble. That sand's going to get everywhere. That sand was probably in their jocks. Wow. For days. You can't get that beach sand out, man. You just can't get it out. That beach sand. Yeah, you can't. It stays with you forever. That's one of the reasons I never did really like going to the beach that much. It just. Sand got everywhere. I got in every crack and crevice. And right, you still don't like it? The ba- the beach? Yeah. No, I don't like the beach at all. So if you and if you and Lois were going to go on vacation, where do you think you would go? Oh, I'd be somewhere in the mountains. It wouldn't be in the beach. The fucking mountains. Wow. Yeah. What's wrong with going to the mountains? Ugh. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, I guess you know. Spoiler. Like, I live. Okay. I live in the mountains. Now it's yeah. not, it's not like your, your mountains that you want, but I live on a mountain. And so it's like, that's, I do that every, I don't want to go somewhere else to do this run? shit. I do it at my house. No, I'm going to do something else. No, like going to Rocky mountain state park. That'd be a good vacation. Uh, state park. Who the fuck's going to state parks for vacations? <laughs> just, we're just, just not beach people. Never have been. I, I need to see Lois in a one piece. Hey, by the way. My person yeah. recently got a swimsuit that was specially made and ordered. And the swimsuit yeah. has, has my cartoon head all over it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. Oh, I was so shocked to open the mail and see that. Jesus. <clears throat> my first response was, please tell me we're not selling these. Oh my God. That is love, buddy. She's like, of that- course not. We're not selling that. Oh man, that is absolute love. Yes, sir, man. Congratulations. Congratulations. Well, that says a lot. Okay. That she, that she would want a, a, a one piece bathing suit done like that. Or that she just either out of her fucking gourd. One of the two. I don't know. Definitely one of those. I would agree. Do you think, well, do you think she's out of her gourd? I never did before until you told me that story. But now maybe you think she's out of her gourd. Shouldn't that have been a disqualification right there over the top rope? Yes. It's WCW. Okay. Yep. And of course we don't know the rules. We haven't been told the rules as announcers and, uh, uh, we're just going to kind of wing it. Or maybe Flair knew the rules, and he just said, you know what? I've had enough of this. I've had enough of being out here. I'm just going to toss him over the top. Maybe if I'm lucky, they'll call for the bell. But that was not the case. The match goes on and on 
and on and on. Shadows are really starting to come into play here, and, it, and it's not making for good TV, I don't think. It's kind of like the problem that we had when we were in Sturgis early in the day. You can't really, you know, it's, uh, again, you see the lights on the, on the, on the lighting grid up top and they're, they're there to hopefully keep those, uh, shadows to a minimum, but they're not working that well. I actually don't mind the shadows. I know you're Mr. Production and you know, all that shit really, really matters to you, but yeah, I kind of don't care. It doesn't bother me. You just want a good match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm looking for a match and I think you're looking for. Nick yeah. I'm Mac, looking for Nick just Mac, some... Patty Wack, give a dog a bone. Oh, I'm just looking for something that looks good on TV and which were, but again, I, I, the, the background of the ocean and the waves that we're seeing right there, they're fucking cool, man. That's a cool shot. And we could have done so much more with this. Did any talk of why we didn't go back there because it was too expensive and we weren't getting enough gate or it didn't work on a production level or we didn't get the crowd response we wanted? I don't know. I, because I always thought something like this could work. I mean, if we go back to Sturgis again and again and again, why, why didn't we go back to Huntington beach? Why chance Zane Bresloff? Yeah, well, he's dead. Well, but you could have uh, asked him when he was alive if you weren't being such a dick. No, I, you know what? I, you were being a dick. Well, I wasn't, no, I wasn't. I just, Zane and I didn't get along. Why well. not? Cause you were a dick. No, no. I just, just didn't get, oh, there's, there's, uh, the macho man's father. What's his name? Uh, something Poffo. <laughs> <laughs> Angelo. Angela, I was <laughs> going to say something, Papa. Oh, I was going to say Anthony Papa, but I knew that was not right. Angelo Papa. I don't know something, Papa. Something, Papa. It's fucking funny to me. I don't know why. I don't know something, Papa. It's my age, buddy. Uh, my recall is not what it used to be. You know what I'm talking about, there, Cassio, uh, Conrad. Yeah, thank you for that. You're welcome. Um. Uh, yeah, so that was the only shot we got of Angelo Poffo. Yikes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Flair with his patented vertical suplex. Patented. Patented. Where did he patent it? <laughs> the Charlotte Patent Office. Where was in the, August of log, August of two thousand six? Where was the uh where was the patent office in Charlotte? Patent office was on uh was on South Boulevard. Hmm. Yeah. Near where Flair had his uh, goals gym at one time on South Boulevard. <laughs> Nothing to bark about. I can tell you that. I don't know what's going on in this match I don't, here. You know, yeah. also the, it, it, and again, I'm looking at it from a production's point of view, the, you always try to want your ring to stand out. It's not really standing out when they do that wide shot. It's almost as if the competitors get lost in the fans. See, see how everything is kind of lost. You don't know where to look. I mean, okay. Now you see flair with the blonde hair coming back from the left side, but you, it's kind of got, I don't know. It's just kind of getting lost here. You're getting lost. 
No, I'm not getting lost. I'm right in. Here's a back body drop. Flair going to sell this. Landed on his side, as always. And now, Savage going up. This big double-axe hand over the top. Oh, yeah. And now the Lumberjacks couldn't involve Aaron Anderson. Comes in, takes a bump, as always. And I think we're getting near the finish of the match. At least we should be. So now, is that a disqualification? No. Nope. Flair, Flair takes the back body drop over the top. Now here's Arn coming in. Whoa! He's got the the DDT or the brain buster, whatever you want to call it. And Flair is going to crawl on his hands and knees. One, two, no, a two count. False finish there. I don't mind that. I think fans thought that Arn Anderson coming in and that would be the finish. Locked into a backslide. Oh, man. One, two. Flair gets out in a two count. Well, they're kind of kicking in high gear here at the end, don't you think? Yeah. I think they're doing pretty good here now. I mean, you're, you're, getting, your, you're getting your typical Ric Flair bumps and uh, the Macho Man doing his thing, going up top with the double axe handle. So you're getting all the things that we've come to know about these guys. But again, because just because of the type of show it is, Flair saying, no, no, I'm not paying for that reception. And he throws him down from the top. And there's another double axe handle. This should be the finish. I don't even remember what the finish was. Well, of course, I don't remember what the finish was. I don't remember most of the participants' names. Big elbow. Boom. That's it. One, two, three. Fans respond to that. First real fans response we got. Macho man Randy Savage with the win. A good shot of the crowd. Cheering that on. And we're going to take a look at the replay. One more. Well, apparently we're not yet. I mean, look, if it's a Slim Jim's themed event, uh, Randy Savage is going to go over, right? I mean, there's no way he was going to do the what's, What are we doing here? Trying to drag him out. I guess. I guess. They're, the, the other uh, guy trying to drag him back in. For the elbow, and that would not happen. He takes the powder, and he's out of there. Yes, sir, man. We One are, elbow is enough. We need to see if they can make us some uh, tie-dye shirts like this. With the orange and uh, white tie-dye shirts? Yeah. You know what? You know what we didn't do again? Typical WCW. We get the Baywatch girls out and we didn't see them until Savage pulls one of them up on the apron of the ring. Why didn't we take a shot of them? We saw them coming in, but that was about it. And then she says, we were supposed to walk that way <laughs> right on camera. <laughs> What's true club. Do you think they were from? Uh, I'm sure no, these, I, these were extras. Nah, Bischoff picked them out. Really? At a strip club. So you're saying that Bischoff 
the night before went to a strip club and no, picked them out? No, I didn't say that. What the fuck is wrong with you? You said, what strip club do they come from? And I said, they are really extras. You said, nah, Bischoff picked them out. Okay, but you said they were really extras. And then I said, Bischoff picked them out. And you assumed that I insinuated that Bischoff was in a strip club. Look, I don't know how many people that are there, but that's more than 9,500 people. I mean, Let's it, snap it, the match. 193,000. <laughs> it's brought to you by uh, Slim Jim. The uh, Brain Buster DDT didn't work, so the Macho Man comes off with the Macho Man elbow. Wow. And there's your one, two, three, and the winner, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Now we're getting ready to see what we've come to see, and that is Leon White perform, Big Van Vader. Many of our uh, listeners on Patreon said, give us a Vader match, and we're getting ready to give you one. But before we get there, we have to let Klondike Bill and the ring crew set up the cage. So we're going to have to uh, waste some time here. Yeah, a little rack zoom. Never hurt anybody. And there you see him putting up the cage. Actually, they're going to sweep off the sand, first of all. See, that was another thing, too. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know why we couldn't. We're going to do a, a Vader bomb package here. Why we couldn't do something to get the, and again, this is just freestyling, get the cage set up quicker. Maybe it's as good as we could do. I don't know. Ooh, how about that? Grabbing Eric Bischoff by the nap of the neck. Nape of the neck. <laughs> I just got corrected. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Tell her to go clean up the fucking dog hair and let you do this. The nape of the neck, okay? That's another word you can put on the shirt that I don't know how to pronounce. Hulk Hogan, I'm coming for you. And I'm not here with my Mastodon helmet. No, they took away all my gimmicks. And I'm going to take away your life. And I'm going to do it in Memphis, Tennessee, in front of 30, 40, 50, even 60 people. Not 1,000, but people. Evansville, I'm going to double the population when I come to your town. Because I'm coming for you, Hulk Hogan. I've got this mask that looks like it belongs up Shivani's ass. It used to be Lois's G-string, and now it's on my face. And I'm coming to Wichita, Kansas. I'm going to break the necks of enhancement, guys. I do not respect my opponents, and I fear no man. But I do fear that they're taking away all my gimmicks. I'm going to fake a shoulder injury out of this, and this will be my last pay-per-view. <laughs> well, thank God the cage is set, and we cannot wait. Well, at least three sides of the cage are set. We cannot wait for this match to start. The one and only Hulk Hogan against Big Van Vader in a cage. Now let's go to Mean Gene Oakland. That's right, Tony Schiavone, and I want to bring him in right here to talk to us right now. You know, oh, oh, Leon White, what's going on, man? Why in the world would you bring a chair in with us? I brought a chair in because I fear no man. But I do fear the booking committee because Kevin Sullivan doesn't like me. At least Ric Flair knew that he could draw money with me. And then when I punched him in the face and he punched me back, it was going to be okay. But it's not with you, Kevin Sullivan. Hey, get that mic back up here. Kevin Sullivan, if I don't win this, I'm fucking out of here. I'm going to Vince McMahon. I'm going to get in the Royal Rumble. I'm going to get with Shawn Michaels. They tell me I made of it in WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble and SummerSlam. And I'm going to do it all. Up there in New York, 
unless I can get it done in this cage. Hulk Hogan, you killed that territory, and now you're here to kill this one, but this is my territory, and I'm going to beat you one, two, three. Not as easily as they're going to beat me in that bucket committee, though. Fucking Flair was looking out for me, but now Kevin Sullivan's more worried about keeping tabs on his wife. Chris Benoit's not even on this card, but they aren't worried about that. They're worried about having me put over Hulk Hogan. I don't want to. And I told Kamala when they asked him to, to quit. All right. The one and only big Van Vader. It's going to be Vader time coming up. Oh, he's got something else to say. I put my singlet on backwards. I'm so shook over this bullshit. They got me out here losing to Hulkamania. You know what they told me to do? They said, stretch it out. Klondike Bill's been distracted. He's eating sand. He's eating beach panties. I don't care about beach panties. I care about having my career ruined. And Paul Oendorf, I'm looking for you. You sucker punched me, but I think I can get you. I got both of my arms. You see, both of my arms work, Paul Oendorf, and you're no match for me. As soon as I figure out how to get this goddamn singlet on, it's over for you, Mr. Wonderful. Big Van Vader, there's no question he should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. The fact that he's not in is a travesty. And with that in mind, we have uh, standing in the ring right now, I do believe. Uh, well, wait a minute. We got somebody else we got to talk to? Nope, apparently not. We are going to be going to the ring here in just a moment because Big Van Vader and Hulk Hogan will be uh, hooking it up at the end of this shitty pay-per-view. And there's the steel cage, man. Did I look fat here to you? No. I felt kind of fat. What just happened? <laughs> we are just filling time here, man. Do they get the cage set? I legitimately don't know what to think when you ask me something like that. Yeah. Are we, are we an old married couple now? No, I don't know. I just wondered if I look fat to you. But here's what I know. I mean, listen, I've been, I've been brushing up on some of my, my marriage stuff, right? Okay. All right. Good. All right. Well, what I know is I'm not allowed to say yes to that. No. Okay. Yep. Uh, what would you like to have to, for dinner tonight? Uh, it's up to you. No, uh, whatever you want is fine with me. Oh uh, yeah. I'm just gonna. I'm going to need you to just go ahead and okay. pick. All right. This is, uh, we're promoting this uh, event they had in North Korea with Ric Flair and uh, Tony Onoki. And uh, I don't think. And you did not go, right? I did not go. No. Uh, I don't even remember seeing it, to be honest with you. I feel like we should cover it then. All right. Collision in Korea. Rick Flair and Antonio Noki. And with that in mind, let's bring him in right now. Jimmy Hart. Ooh, and Hulk Hogan, you invader. And look at this. Dennis Rodman, the worm, has come out here as well. Worm, I want to know, what type of payday are you getting tonight? Well, I'll tell I you what I'm getting. I'm, I'm getting cash and weed. That's all I take, brother, cash and weed. That's right, brother. He's taking cash and weed. And as you probably know by now, my main man, the Zodiac, is going to be carrying the weed for us tonight. Once again, Hulk Hogan, they're feeding me bad guys just like it was 1988 once again, brother. And I'm going to destroy all the bad. Don't fucking put your hand, hand on my face, you motherfucker. I'm talking. 
I'm in the midst of a promo here. And let me say this, that I'm going to go over once again. We are going to change the rules of this cage. We're not going to let the announcers know that the rules are you can escape from the cage. Now, I'm not talking about the, the cage like they had in the Crockett territory. I'm talking like the old cage we had back in the days in the WWF. We could actually crawl up the cage and crawl down the cage. It was like steps. But now this is just some sort of chain link fence cage. And I'm going to go over top of the cage. I'm going to go down the cage. And I'm going to have defeated Vader once again because I am Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Check out my thermos here, Gene. I am Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And I am still the world heavyweight champion, brother. I don't give a shit what you say. I don't give a shit what Bischoff says. I don't give a shit what Conrad says or Bruce Pritchard says. Wrestling revolved around me. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And also, also, I'd like to ask this question. What in the fuck do you have under that shirt of yours? How many fucking tattoos does a man need? Rodman, look at the tattoos. on. I can't even read those tattoos. What does it say? Does one of them say NBA? Does one of them say Chicago Bulls? Does one of them say San Antonio Spurs? I don't understand it. The fact is I'm getting a big payday. That's right, Mean Gene. He's getting a big payday, and my friends are always taken care of. You saw that here was Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Here, of course, is the Zodiac who came in with Kamala's mask to knock somebody out. He's getting a payday. All my friends get paydays. And, Gene, that's the reason you're here, because of the Pythons. You're one of my friends. Heenan's one of my friends. All of my friends from the WWF are here. We're taking all the money. The Macho Man is here, and we better be ready to take care of Vader. Eeks. <sighs> Three, two, one. Go to the ring. 210,000 fans in attendance here tonight. In this beautiful atmosphere, we got at Bash to the Beach. And now time for the cage match. What do you make of this? What's that? The cage match or the whole show? The whole show so far. Where are you at? Uh, I'm thumbs down on it. Now, earlier you said, really? When I said thumbs down. And now. Well, okay. Uh, on the look, on the actual being able to pull this show off with, you know, 200,000 fans in attendance, I'm thumbs up on it. I'm thumbs down on the actual work rate. And again, a lot of times. You know, we are driven to think it's a better match than it really is because of fans' response. But fans are not responding here at all. Leon nor normally didn't bring that with him, but he brought it with him in this one. That's a pretty damn impressive look, wasn't it? Dude, I miss him. You know, it's uh, I wish that he had an opportunity to be celebrated and uh, put in the Hall of Fame while he was alive. I hope they do the right thing now, though, because yeah. he deserves it. Yes, he does. That's a hell of a look, man. It was awesome. And when I was a kid, man, it was the coolest thing ever. I often wondered too, and I never did ask this question. I often wondered too, how he was able to use the word Vader, uh, and the star Wars people didn't come down on him. That Wait, I, I, I never calling did himself Darth Vader. Yeah, but that, that, that wouldn't stop him. I get it, but that wouldn't stop him. All right.
one thing Leon could do too, this has nothing to do with anything, but it always did stand out to me. I don't know if you noticed this. He could whistle real loud. Did you ever notice that? Who, Vader? Yeah, when he'd come out, he would, you know, stick his tongue up and he would just whistle. <laughs> it just, he called somebody a motherfucker on camera just now. And why wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dun, dun, dun. He is a, this is a real American. No, no wrong song. I know, dun, but it's my favorite, though. Dun, 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 dun. All right. All the Baywatch beauties coming out with him. Is that Charles Robinson? No, it looked like him for a moment. So now we're getting a big reaction from the fans because here comes Hogan and Rodman. I'm, I'm uh, again, I go back to this and we were just talking about, I, I don't know why Rodman with the exception of getting a payday was there. I mean, right. What did it, what did it add to this? I guess yeah. it added the same thing that, uh, that I guess maybe Shaquille O'Neal added to the one the year before the rub. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're just looking for as much celebrity as they can. And, you know, based on Bischoff's testimony, most of it was just free stuff, just coming to hang out. So if they're not having to pay for it, why not? Really? Bischoff told you it was just free stuff. Shaquille O'Neal and George Foreman for bash of the beach. 94 were not compensated. Okay. So I imagine, you know, Rodman here also not compensated. Now, of course, this is the match we were joking about it earlier in the promo, but this is the match where Vader is going to injure his shoulder. He's going to require shoulder surgery. And this will be one of the last times we see him in WCW. Uh, eventually he would uh, go on to be suspended and before you, and he wouldn't even make, uh, the first nitro two months after this. So he's out and, um, this shoulder surgery would be the thing that he had to have repaired once he even signed on with the WWF. Of course he attacked gorilla monsoon and made quite the uh, splash there around the Royal rumble in 96, but then immediately have to go get, had to go get shoulder surgery. He was on the shelf for a bit and you're going to see it when he takes the bump off the top rope later, supposedly jacks the shoulder up. I mean, it doesn't look that devastating, but at that weight, at that height, I would sure. imagine things happen. Yeah, they, I understand that for some reason I'm thinking coming out of this, I know they were tr trying to do an angle. Didn't we do, uh, then coming out of this, we have Vader against Arn and flair in a handicap match coming out of this. Yes. Okay. So this is, so they did do at least one more thing with him out of this. No, wait, you know what? Let me, let me double check that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because I remember at the end of the show, we did something to where, and I know Vader had a handicap match against Arn and Flair. And, and I don't know as far as the timeline is concerned. I don't know if it was before or after this, it was a clash of the champions, but I forget the exact date. No, you're exactly right. It was uh, August 5th. Right. Yeah. So that was a clash of the champions. We had pointing to that because after the event is over, we did a thing here and, and you're going to see, uh, we did a thing where we're, we're supposedly off the air and he and he and I are talking. I tell Heena, you know, great show, Bobby, uh, great work, great working with you or something like that. And then all of a sudden we say, wait a minute, we're still on the air and flair and Arn 
uh, attack Vader afterwards. So that was the angle leading towards the Clash of the Champions. Man, Leon, boy, he could everything he did looked so real because most of the stuff he did was real. Look at this. Bam. Boy, he could slug you, man. And I just wonder if he just didn't. If that's a working punch, it's a hell of a working punch. I'm telling you that, man. Now, Vader getting into it here. Wow. Again, I don't know where they I don't know what they're shooting, but they're not shooting the ring here. There we go. Finally back to it. You see, Vader could This is one of the things that that made him what he was. It just I uh, again, I I he would hit you with those forearm shots and he would hit you with a bicep of his and you just never Man, he was either so good, the punches were so good, or they were they were shooting punches. I don't know. Hogan's got the helmet on. Big spot here. Fans are getting into this one. All right. Headbutting with it. There you go. All right. Chat me up here. What did this match get? You want to guess? Uh, I have a, a half a star. Uh, no, two and a half stars. Not that far behind, uh, macho and, uh, really? Yeah. Flair. Okay. Well, there's some pretty good looking things going on here. I mean, there's some pretty good, stiff looking blows and, um, Meltzer would write Vader threw some great punches. Hogan, who is normally the absolute master in controlling the audience, put on the Vader headgear and headbutted Vader, which totally killed the, killed the crowd for the next several minutes. I'm not sure why. I guess it made the match comedy inside a cage, but it was obvious the match was dead for a few minutes. Vader worked hard enough to carry it to a watchable match. Vader missed a senton off the top rope, but if he would have hit it, it would have been the end of Hogan's career. The body slam at 920, uh, but then sold the back that he was injured in doing it. Well, you know what's coming here for the rest of it. We could climb in the cage and crotching yourself and you're pretending to go off air while flair flair comes out and the cameras keep rolling flair's yelling right. at vader for losing well you'll see wow a couple of vader bombs on target there man so uh they think the uh the spot with headbutting vader killed the crowd hmm yeah interesting not so sure i agree with that but still vader looking I think Hogan did a great job here of, of making, of putting over some of Vader's stuff, buddy. I mean, Vader is just whipping the shit out of Hogan here. And maybe it's whipping the shit out of him as a shoot, but it's all looking pretty good. You know what's missing here, don't you? What's that? Juice. <laughs> right. You're going to have this guy, Vader, who is one of the biggest, toughest, most physical wrestlers ever. And you're going to throw Hulk Hogan like a lawn dart into the side of a cage, and there's going to be no juice. <laughs> Look at that. 
Oh, picked him up for a suplex and just dropped him on the other side. Oh, God. Look at this. He's uh, trying to tug at the cage, trying to find his way out. And here comes Hogan. Right. Hogan and uh, off comes the mask. So we're getting ready for the spot. Why don't you call this legit, but you know, current Tony NFLG, Tony NFLG, no fucks (laughs) left to give. You got it, buddy. Hogan tries to pick up the big man who won't go up. He's not ready to go up yet. Bader at 400 pounds going to go up when he's fucking ready to go up. A knee to the midsection of Hogan, actually to the face of Hogan and Hogan now really overselling a little bit. Towards the ring, towards the KO, big headbutt by Vader. I don't know about you, Brain, but it looks like that Vader may be a little pissed right here. And if he really gets pissed, really, is there anything Hogan can do? Why don't he just snap Mary him over? And going to go up top, whistling out to the crowd. The crowd not responding because they are want to see Hulk Hogan win this match. Holy shit. Take a look at this. Up from the top turnbuckle, Leon White. Oh, there it was. Can you imagine? They are right. Had he had he connected with that, Hogan would have been a greasy spot on the mat. But now Leon with a busted left shoulder. Hogan says, get up. Man, he can't get up. He's hurt here, dude. But he's still going to fight his way through it. Oh, man, he's going to whip him with that bad arm into the corner and follow him in with a lariat. Come on, Hollywood. Don't you know the man is hurt? Now Hogan's going to take command of this match. Now he's going to pick him up. Look at this. Holy. No, he fell on him. One, two. Oh, he got a two count. You know, I know a lot of people don't like that spot, but I do. Well, oh, yeah, I do too. Falling on him. Absolutely, I do. I guess we should mention that the night before this pay-per-view triple a was running a show in Los Angeles and they drew 8,500 fans, a gate of 148,000. Of course that show was very well reviewed. Um, Meltzer would write perhaps the biggest story of all, not when it comes to wrestling news, but when it comes to wrestling management was the number of WCW officials at the triple a show the night before. The actual number was two, Chris Cruz and Mike Tanay, both of whom have absolutely no input when it comes to do with anything with creativity. The entire WCW crew had been in town since Friday and the business in the U S when it comes to drawing fans is dying and triple a drew close to as many people for a $21 average ticket price as WCW did with all free tickets and 500 times as much publicity. One would think there would be some curiosity as to why. Quite frankly, considering the financial shape the WWF appears to be in, those who at least booked the angles should have at least attended just to stir their creative juices. But this is pro wrestling, and those running money losing companies know far more than those who run companies that sell out. So why would anyone have even thought about attending? It's almost mind boggling not only how little those running the companies today know about the business today, but how little incentive or enthusiasm they seem to have to learn. Wow, that's that's striking pretty deep there. I don't know if I agree with everything of that. What did you think of the Triple uh, A show the night before? I'm sure you were there and he missed you. No, of course, I wasn't there. Of course, I've you know I'm I'm one of those arrogant pricks that 
that Meltzer talked about that didn't give a shit about it. I didn't even know there was a triple A show there. I know I'm sure Cruz and Mike Tanay did because, you know, they probably whacked off to shit like that. But it's I don't know. I, I, if you ask me, I think that 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 entire passage you just read was directed towards Eric Bischoff. Of course, it was all of it, every word. Yep. Has he reacted on his podcast? Anything that Melcher said about him, or does he ignore it and not react to it like I do? Whoa. Oh, he's hulking up, baby. Here we go. Here we go. Let's see the fans get behind it. NFL TG. Get it, Tony. Okay. He's going to set him into the, oh, come on, bleed. Oh, not going to do that, brother. Uh-uh. The old finger wave. Going to throw him into it again. Hit it, it, bleed. Uh-uh. Not going to do that, brother. No juice coming here. Well, wait a minute. I think he did juice a little bit right between the eyes there. And now Hogan. Right now, Leon just wants to end it. Let's send Vader into it. Ooh. Now to the other side. Ooh, once again. Somebody juice here, for God's sake. Somebody bring some legitimacy back to what we're doing. The big foot. The big foot. Vader's not down yet. The big What the fuck was that? He big-footed him in the nuts. Did you see that? Oh, <laughs> look at this silly yeah. nonsense. <laughs> and here comes, oh, boy, Zodiac and Kevin Sullivan being kept at bay by Dennis Rodman in a flimsy chair. Rodman kept him away. Oh, yeah. All right. So Hogan is now going to try to escape the cage. We hope and escape this match. There's the big leg drop. So now here we're expecting a one, two, three, right? Hogan's going to win it, but no, he's got to escape the cage. Oh boy. See, this is, I, after the match is over, I agree with this stuff, but not while the match is still going on. Another big leg drop. Do you want me to pin him? Hell yeah, we want you to pin him. We want this. Oh, he's going to go out. Hogan says, I'm not going to pin him. I'm going to try to escape the cage. Leon's going to try to one last final breath from Big Van Vader. Try to get out of this. Headbutts Hogan. Wow. Laying those in. Hogan chopping him away. Leon's going to fall off here. Whoa. Pretty good sight here. Good visual. Leon is down, and Hogan is out. And Hollywood Hogan finally puts an end to Vaderania. Yeah. <laughs> and Hogan is still the man. Now, again, we're going to do the angle here afterwards. we got about, what, five, six minutes to go in the show with Ric Flair coming in and Arn Anderson coming in which is going to lead to the clash of the champions angle. Think about all the people who touched the big gold belt over the years, Muhammad Ali, Mr. T 
Dennis Rodman, George yeah. Foreman, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Jay Leno. And just think, uh, you too can touch the big gold belt at Starcast. You get to do a photo op called to be the man where you get to put on Ric Flair's personal robe ring use from the Chi Town Rumble where he lost that world title to um Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You get to put that on, throw the belt over your shoulder. Should be pretty cool. Now he and I cleaning up the stuff here and the fans are starting to make their way out. And here comes Ric Flair, the nature boy who's pissed off that Leon lost the match. <laughs> I love a stomping Ric Flair. Don't you? Yeah, but he doesn't know how to show that he's mad other than to jump up and down. That's right. <laughs> I've seen this so many times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Found the mat. Jump up and down. This is years before he started knee dropping and elbow dropping the mat. Right. <laughs> oh, God. And now Vader has had enough of the Nature Boy Rick. Leon Anderson comes in. Now, see, we're supposed to be off the air. We think we're off the air here, and all this is happening. And Leon is going <laughs> to. Flair of that, course, would uh, not go through the door. He climbs over the top. And he falls about eight feet down to the bottom. God almighty. By the way, every time you've ever seen Flair climb a cage in a wrestling match, it took him 12 minutes to get to the top. He was up <laughs> that motherfucker like Superman, single bound, bam, bam, out of here. Yes, he was. Because now they say, now this is where he makes the match, basically, or the challenge for Clash of the Champions. You and your boy, Arn Anderson, I'll go after, you know, uh, two on one or whatever. And that's the end of our show. Well, um, again, uh, uh, a tip of the cap, a salute, a nod to Leon White, Big Van Vader. The great. Yep, he could do some great shit, man. And he did some great shit in this match, too. Again, a couple of Vader bombs looked great. His punches were solid. Uh, his forearm shots were great. He was hurting here, as we know, because he... He hurt his shoulder on that attempt at, at a uh, senton bomb or whatever and hurt his uh, shoulder, and uh, that was that was terrible. But uh, I'm not so sure. If I think back in the history of, of me calling Vader matches, Conrad, I, I'm not so sure that I can say that there were many matches, if any, that I called where I was disappointed in what Van Vader did in that match. I always thought he gave us everything in all of his matches. I mean, he, you know, he, he was physical. He was a dangerous man. He really was a dangerous man. Uh, because when he would get into that Vader mode, you never know what would happen. He would just go off. Right. But he always gave you, I, I thought he always busted his ass for every match. And he always gave you, you came to see Vader and you saw him win or lose. And I always thought it was good. terrible that he left us really is I, I mean i think a lot of people thought he you know after that health scare a few years ago that he was okay right yeah 
But, you know, that size, again, and taking all those great bumps that he took just uh, takes a toll on the body, man. It really, really does. And we go off into the sunset oh, with another bash. The never to be seen again, never to go to the beach again. Oh, somebody has the WCW magazine behind us. How about that? Promoting the magazine. Slim Jim Security. Heenan being Heenan here. Sitting in the chair backwards with white shorts, tucking in his polo. I know. It's quite a look he's got. Quite yeah, a he, look. he was something else, man. All right. So there we go. There's our Bash at the Beach pay-per-view 1995. And our again, if you want to see more Leon White matches, I know we have some that we can show you. Uh, there are some in the archives. You can go back and look or listen. All right, look along with us, but uh, there are also plenty of uh, of matches still out there that we haven't discussed or talked about. Well, there's the uh, credits. Craig Steelwagon, Bill Tinsley, Tim Snyder. Mm. Probably some of the names you remember that we never fucking did. Mike yeah. Weber. The guy over at Fight TV, uh, he was here doing marketing for you. you. Got any good Mike Weber stories you could share with us? I worked with Mike in uh, WWF uh, while I was there that one time. Uh, Mike was like Mike was a hardworking guy, uh, and a lot of times he thought he was pissing up a rope trying to do stuff for WCW, and a lot of times he was. I'm not so sure he and Eric Bischoff always saw eye to eye, uh, and Mike was one of those guys that I think. Uh, did not benefit, uh, really his job was made harder by the lack of communication that we had in WCW. So he's with fight TV now. He is. What do you think about executive producer, senior vice president, Eric Bischoff? They always end these shows in this era with everybody else on a scroll, but they make sure to pause yeah. and let it hang on Bischoff's name a little bit. What do you think? That was uh, Craig Leathers and everybody else sucking up to Eric. I don't think Eric. I don't think Eric even knew of that or wanted that. Well, I'll tell you what we want. We want more of what happened when with Tony Schiavone. Tony, do you have some ideas on what you want to put on the poll for next week? Some things you would like to talk about or cover, or do people just need to be surprised and come check it out? Well, of course, our polls are now on Patreon. Uh, and you know, we have done a lot of themes and, and we've done a lot of, uh, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, uh, we're getting now near the end of July and I don't know. Let's, uh, let's do a clash of the champions. Want to put a clash of the champions on the poll? Yeah. Why not go ahead and throw up the two on one and a couple other clash of the champions and make it an all clash poll. How's that sound? Make it an all clash poll. Uh, because, uh, we, you know, there were some pretty good clash of the champions. The one I remember, the one clash that I remember better than any, uh, was when Brian Pillman, you know, grabbed Bobby Heenan when we were at Caesar's palace and Heenan said, uh, what the fuck's wrong with you that aired on TBS live that night. That's the one clash moment I remember more than any, uh, because Bobby was really concerned about his neck. And of course, as we know, Pillman could be a little bit crazy at ringside. Uh, so that's one that you can, that, that was done. I believe at Caesar's palace, uh, outside of that little Kwanzaa hut they had out there. 
so that's one you may want to consider. You know, I know we've done some earlier ones. We've done uh, the, we've done the, did we've done the first clash? I believe we have. We've done the second clash. I know, uh, the one at the Knight Center in Miami. But there were plenty more as we moved along, and uh, even the ones where we had Heenan then that are worth putting on the poll. So we'll have a clash poll up for you on Patreon so you can decide on what we have next week. And don't forget, for you uh, listeners on Patreon, we've got some bonus shows coming up as well, too. Uh, By the way, if you're not on Patreon yet, patreon.com forward slash Monday, where you can be a part and part of the bonus shows as well. Well, Tony, I feel like we've got it all in here, and it feels like uh, it's about that time. It's about that time, but now we are going to remove ourselves away from the beach here at Huntington Beach, uh, California, and we're going to go check out the AAA show. And by God, look who's in the main event in the AAA show. It's Chris Cruz and Mike Tanay. They're going one-on-one. They both have masks on, and you can tell by the size of their bodies, we we can't tell them apart. They both are very thin. They both are very white. They both are very drawn. They, oh my God, but they're, they're in the ring in this triple A match. And now they're, oh God, it's a jerk off contest. Let's oh. be Mike Tanay and Chris Cruz. Oh God, who's going to call this? I guess it's going to be me. Who's going to win first? We'll find out next week on WHW Monday on the MLW radio network and on Patron. Yo, what up? This is Big Vinny V down here at the Jersey Shore! Here to tell you, promotional considerations are paid for by the following! If you want more of Conrad Thompson and Tony Schiavone, complete with behind-the-scenes videos and new content every week, then get your ass over to the patreon.com forward slash WHWMonday, baby! And by LewisRules.com, one of the hottest sites over on ProWrestlingTees.com, the place to get all your favorite t-shirts from What Happened When. It's named after a crazy lady, but you gotta love her. God bless, she's the best. In fact, you should probably go call your mother. Remember, Lois Rules, and that's LewisRules.com. Also, BoxerGimmicks.com. Complete with coffee mugs, baby onesies, beach towels, koozies, and everything you need to get your G&T and tan on, like we do down here at the Jersey Shore. If you know what I mean, get that fist in the air and start pumping, baby. Let's go. And remember, strict rule, no carbs on the beach. So, get over to BoxerGimmicks.com to shamelessly show your support of what happened when, something to wrestle with, in 83 weeks. And bye, Slapdick Theater with your host, Kellen as a dumbass. <laughs> a dumbass. Oh, a dumbass. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, easy. No reason to get all upset. Why don't you go have a slice of provolone and chill out? All right, buddy? Move it back. All right? Anyway, he's coming to Patreon in July. Okay, I'm out. Big Vinny V here. And that's the bottom line because the boys from Jersey said so. You dig?